Hello, and welcome to The Last Ones In, where being late to the party isn't a bad thing. I am your host, Dry Archuleta, and today we are joined by Robbie the Employable. Hey! And we are again joined by my wife, Elizabeth Archuleta. Hi! And then, in place of Rocky from across the country, we've invited his better half onto the show today for the first time on the podcast. Welcome, K-Slice! Hi! (laughs) All right. And then before we get any further, I am going to address the elephant in the room. Last week I said that he ran out because of an emergency and he would be back this week. I lied. He is not back, actually. Um, He is super busy with school and a whole bunch of life stuff. So he will be back hopefully soon. And uh, yeah. But until then, we're going to finish our month out of looking at stoner flicks. That's right. This month, we would like to take you on an adventure, one that takes a look at the history of marijuana, also known as the Devil's Lettuce. But not just a history, because that would be boring. We want to take a look at a history of the sticky icky, how society was reacting to it when the film came out, and the general attitude of the era, and how weed relates back to it. All through the crystal clear lens of cinema. All month long, we've been picking movies from a very particular time in history that either celebrated or looked down upon the use of that chronic. So for the last time this month, we're inviting you to mow the grass or burn one down as we all learn a little bit more about Mary Jane and her sweet, sweet herb. In 2013, the world was a very different place than it was in the 90s. Being extremely offensive, Just to be offensive was going out of style. We were smack dab in the middle of the first black president's second term in office, and somehow we all didn't die in 2012. Someone was off with that prediction by about eight years. We had some truly amazing films come out that year, Prisoners, Pacific Rim, The Conjuring, and The Wolf of Wall Street, just to name a few. Of course, karma being what it is, we also got The Lone Ranger and Grown Ups 2, and Movie 43. So, uh, you know, win some, you lose some. Of course, the most important thing that was going on in 2013 is that many states were finally coming around to the realization that people just really, really, really want to get high and forget all their problems. It was around this time when the legalization of weed started to really see an uptick, no longer just for the cancer patients or old people. Now, the person that gets nervous sometimes could also openly enjoy themselves. Of course, the most important thing that happened in 2013 besides that would be the release of a movie called This Is The End, starring Seth Rogen, James Franco, Jonah Hill, Jay Baruchel, Danny McBride, and Craig Robinson. This movie would be the culmination of years of work and build-up, all just to say how cool weed and dick jokes are. But, before we really start talking about the movie, I think we better find out how everyone is doing. So Liz, wife, person I live with. Mm Mm-hmm. What's up in your life? How are you? I'm doing well. You know, working from home. Yeah, that's been really fun. It has been. By, you know, fun, we it's not fun. But, you know, we're getting there. Made some banana bread. That's all good. The crying isn't part of the fun? You know, sometimes it, it, it was in the past, but not anymore. 
case slice. What's going on on the East What's Coast? What's up, guys? <laughs> Life is good. No, I was just kidding. It's good. Okay. It's um, it's a bit stressful. I really don't like working from home, but yeah, you're doing that whole work from home thing too. Yeah, but I can't really complain because I'm one of the lucky few who still has a job, so I'm thankful about that. And I get to spend a lot of time with my fur babies and Rocky, so that's nice, too. He is quite furry, but he's kind of in a different category. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) The days kind of run into each other, stretched out and sometimes boring, but... That's why you have weed, K-Slice. Yes, yes, that I do! I'm just kidding. I don't. (laughs) Are you afraid someone's going to hunt you down from corporate and be like, hey, wait a second. Well, let's move on over to Robbie. What's it like being unemployed, man? Uh, It's kind of boring, honestly. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, like I'm working on my backlog of games and movies, but other than that, I'm just applying for jobs at this point and realizing that my neighbors are crazy. But uh, the only things that are really kind of worth noting that has happened in this past week is uh at one point in time uh, i guess um like two of my neighbors almost got into a fight with each other because i just like was watching a movie and i heard two people arguing outside and i looked out and there was just like some older overweight guy with no shirt on but he looks like he's like really sunbaked so he never really wears a shirt and he's like fighting this guy he couldn't have been older than like his early 20s and like they're getting ready to fight each other, and it was—I I can't even tell you what it was about, but like they were getting loud enough that like all the neighbors were starting to pop their heads out of it. And then, actually, a couple of nights ago, like eleven o'clock at night, I was playing Cry of Fear out of all games, and I heard a knocking at my door. And like one of my neighbors in the building, like, was asking if he could use my phone, and it was just like, why? <laughs> and he's just like, oh, you know, it's it's really important. You know, it could be save my life right now. I was like, uh. It, okay and so like Like, i'm really gonna need a better reason though like specifically what are you gonna use it for so it started off as that and then like i told him sure like i'm not gonna let you take my phone but like you can use it if you want to use it and like i just kind of like sat outside and kind of talked with him while he was using my phone and it was uh apparently he's gotten in trouble because he does this with all the neighbors he just like goes and like knocks on people's doors and asks if he can use the internet like he just got on Facebook whenever he was on my phone. What the fuck? Yeah. Like, he really... from, what, from what I can tell, he was trying to hit on women, and he was, like, trying to tell them that he was a millionaire, and it, it was a whole <laughs> weird situation. I guess people have become so addicted to Facebook that they have that urge and need to get onto a phone and onto Facebook no matter what. Yeah, I guess so. This so, guy, he just seemed like he was a bullshitter, like through yeah. and through. Because like he told me that like, apparently he was like considered medical, or that he was like in a medically induced coma and was considered dead for two years, and that. But apparently his dad owns the Casa Bonita uh, in Denver, and like all this other shit. Like this guy was in his mid forties too. I should probably said that part. <laughs> like it was a whole weird situation at like close to midnight while I was playing what's considered to be like one of the scarier horror games you can get on Steam. That man seems like he was addicted to many substances. Yeah, he he kind of came off like that. Like he also kind of talked like he was on something at the time, but I couldn't say for sure. Probably started with weed 
and then weed is a gateway drug, which led to meth. <laughs> I mean, it mostly goes to junk food, but then people tend to hide meth in the, that junk food. So that's why they say junk food rots your teeth, right? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then I guess I should probably ask our host, Drya. How has your week been? We don't. Know. We don't want to know. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Case less doesn't want to know. <laughs> I've had nothing. I've had nothing but this podcast for this week. Tell me something. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it's been awful. I went back to work. I hate it. You know, making money, that's apparently important, I guess. Oh, I'm yeah. told. Yeah, just doing a, <laughs> a bunch of editing for the podcast and trying to get us up on a couple of new platforms and yeah, just a lot of, a lot of busy body work, really. I live a boring life. It's, I mean, it was the same before all of this, but now it's like everyone's doing it and so I'm not special for being an outcast, so... <laughs> Well, with all of the niceties out of the way, I suppose, the only person that hasn't seen the movie that we're taking a look at this week is K-Slice. Yay. Yeah. So, you know, no pressure or anything. Just, you know, better have a lot to say and a good opinion, that's all. Oh, I will. <laughs> I was just kidding, I won't. <laughs> what do you think this movie is going to be about? What do you think happens? Um, Let's see, there's going to be a lot of weed. There's going to be a lot of... Are we allowed to say the F word here? You can say whatever you want. Okay, it's gonna be a lot of fuckery, um, a lot of people doing dumb shit. Then at the end of the day, everything comes together and everything's okay. But it's all about weed. Okay, cool. <laughs> Am I right? I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is it's time to read the back of the box. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is the end. Follows six friends trapped in a house after a series of strange and catastrophic events. Devastate Los Angeles. As the world unravels outside, dwindling supplies and cabin fever threaten to tear the friendships apart. Eventually, they are forced to leave the house, facing their fate and the true meaning of friendship and redemption. That is super undescriptive of anything that happens in this movie. Yeah. It, it really is. <laughs> what is this? It's not what I signed up for. <laughs> I don't know if it's too early for a fun fact, but I actually have a fun fact on that. A fun fact about the trailer? So yeah, a fun fact about the trailer for this movie too is uh, the original trailer for this movie was on April 1st, 2013. Sony released an April Fool's Day trailer for Pineapple Express 2, which was actually a teaser trailer for This Is The End. That's cool. Yeah. I think I remember that happening faintly. Back when I was still watching trailers. Eventually went to not watch I mean, I, yeah, I wasn't. Like, I... I found out about this movie because I walked by a theater and I saw that like all their faces on there with this is the end. And I was like, oh, cool. Another Seth Rogen movie. And so, Robbie, if people want to watch along with us before listening to the podcast, where could they do that? That is actually a very hard one to tell you because um, there's not really a whole lot of streaming services. Uh, it used to be on Netflix, but it's not anymore. Like, it's one of those things that I guess they lost their contract with them and it's just no longer on there. So if you live outside the United States, check your Netflix. Yes. Yeah, and besides that, uh, it's just kind of rentals or buy everywhere. Pretty much. Is this movie worth three ninety nine? You're about to find out. <laughs> well. <laughs> if you want, go watch this movie. We're going to go do the same thing. If you don't want to watch it, that's fine too. But please come back anyway. We would really like that. We are going to be right Talk to you guys later.
and we are back from watching this is the end so let's just jump right into it case slice since you were the one who hadn't seen it what are your spoiler free thoughts and would you buy rent stream or pass on this film Okay, so Case Slice feels like she's being put on the spot. A um, little bit. I would... I don't know. I really have very, very mixed feelings about that movie. Um, <laughs> I think that's everybody the first time they watch it. It was not what I expected. I'm going to say that much. <laughs> I'll be honest. I laughed my ass off the first time I watched this movie. Well, no, there were, some, there were some, some parts where I was actually scared. And I had to kind of like look in between my fingers and like try to cover my eyes because it was like, oh, my God, some of it was pretty like and I don't want to do spoilers, but just very sexual. There's a little bit of sexuality. Um, Just a little uh, bit. Just a little bit. A tiny bit of sexuality, a tiny bit of violence and a tiny bit of drug use. <laughs> Let's just bit. say, if you don't like the genitalias, cannot watch this. Is that a spoiler? Is that a spoiler? No. <laughs> <laughs> I would. It's like right in between the category of I would and I wouldn't. And it's like. So if, if anything, maybe like a, a, a stream, then maybe. Because like a stream is like something like you're kind of like if. Once again, you're in a region where Netflix is available and you see it passing by like, yeah, I might watch this movie. Yeah, yeah. like I wouldn't go out of my way to rent it or to find it. But if I stumble upon it, I'll watch it. But I don't know. We'll call that a stream. Let's uh, move on over to Liz here. I would because I do. What? Why? Yeah. You just asked me why. why. Fine. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I think this Liz. is so funny. Um, it's so ridiculous, but not like to me. It's not overly ridiculous. It's not overly stupid. Um, so I really enjoy this. It's dumb. It's pretty fucking dumb. <laughs> yeah, it's really dumb. <laughs> All right, so uh, Robbie, how about you, man? I think this is a very funny movie. Like out of stoner comedies, uh, some of the later uh, entries from the Seth Rogen lineup, like there's some of my absolute favorites. Uh, This one being one of those movies too. Like this and Pineapple Express are probably my favorite movies that he did. Um, I would say like if you're into Seth Rogen comedy, like not even just stoner comedies, but like Seth Rogen style comedies, I would say this is actually one of his better movies. So it would be a buy in that sense. But this is at least worth a watch, in my opinion. But I'm also into kind of that vulgar humor. So this is very much up my alley. So this is either a buy. Like, this is, for me, at least, it w- would be a buy. If you're into, you know, either stoner comedies or Seth Rogen comedies, it's at least worth a watch. But for me, it's definitely a buy. Cool. And as for me, um, if we didn't already own it, since when we got married, our collections just conglomerated onto each other. <laughs> Um, and it was on my side. It was. <laughs> <laughs> I would honestly say that this is a rent, just because I think it takes a large amount of time for Seth Rogen yeah. comedies to kind of hit that funny point again. Because you watch it, and like everything that happens in it is very surprising. 
And then if you watch it again pretty quickly after that, then it sort of falls off because that surprise is gone. I think that's a lot of comedies, honestly. Um, but this one even more so because it does have that really high drama point. Like, they take everything very seriously. To the point to where, like K-Slice was saying, um, some parts are very, very horror. And a lot of parts, they lean more into the horror or the violence portion of the movie or the idea of that more than the comedy of it. With the comedy still being prevalent, obviously. But I think that makes it harder to re-watch over and over. We do own it. But if it were my choice alone, I would say that this is a this is a rent for me. Yeah, it's definitely one that if you are gonna rewatch it, it's gotta be scares me for sure. Uh, well, can I just say that any movie that stars Seth Rogen, James Franco, Jonah Hill, and Michael Sarah is always going to be very very like comedy based but in, in the, and it always follows the same kind of theme so when i watch their the movies i'm expecting the same kind of things stories to happen so and very juvenile humor yeah and this story this movie i guess is kind of like it blends in with the blur of all the other movies they did if that makes sense they had a lot of stuff coming out around the time so i get where you're coming from all right let's get on to the meat of this thing. What do you say? This is your last chance. If you don't want anything in this movie spoiled for you, go watch it. If you don't care about spoilers, keep listening. We will be right back. So, the movie opens up with Seth Rogen in the airport. And after a few moments, we realize that he's been waiting for his friend, Jay. Jay comes out from behind some doors and goes and hugs Seth and greets him. And all the while you hear people in the background like asking Seth for pictures and asking him to say something and they start walking away. You hear the uh, paparazzi in the background like, come on, just, just do the laugh, Seth, just do it. And <laughs> does the laugh and they all walk away. And they get to the car and uh, they start talking about how it's been forever since they've seen each other and that, they have that Seth has this huge weekend plan. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be the best weekend they've ever had in their entire lives. And Jay starts talking about like, oh man, like all I want to do now that we've gotten here, we've gotten all of these pleasantries out of the way is all I want to do is go to Carl's Jr. And Seth starts talking about like, oh, I'm, I actually can't do that. I'm on a cleanse right now. Like, well, what do you mean you're on a cleanse? He's like, yeah, I'm on a cleanse, like no gluten, no like junk. I can't eat like junk for anything like that. He's like, so you can't like smoke weed? You can't drink? No, no, I, I still smoke weed and drink. I just, you know, I don't do any of the other stuff. Like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, mostly it's like gluten. You just like can't eat gluten, you know, anything like that. Because gluten's, gluten's really a bad thing about everything. He's like, gluten? What the fuck does that mean? He's like, yeah, gluten's bad for you. He's like, no, gluten's not bad for you. He's like, yeah, it is. It's like, you don't even know what the fuck gluten is. Yeah, I know what gluten is. Gluten's not like a thing. It's just, it just means a bad thing. Just, you know, everything that's bad is gluten. Like calories and, and carbohydrates. Like, that's a gluten. Calorie, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, calories is gluten, fat is gluten, and then Jay just basically tells him, like, oh, it just sounds like somebody told you, like, oh, I shouldn't eat gluten. You're like, oh, yeah, I probably shouldn't eat gluten. <laughs> I was going to say, I think they were doing, a like, a joke on Hollywood, fad of gluten, don't eat gluten, all that stuff, but people don't really know what gluten is. It's kind of like making a joke of that culture. It's mocking that L.A. lifestyle of like, oh, yeah, yeah I shouldn't eat this because this is unhealthy. I'm going to do a juice cleanse and drink nothing but lemon juice for seven days or I'm going to 
or I'm not going to eat this or that. I'm not, not going to eat carbs or I'm not going to eat fat or I'm not going to I'm going to take sugar completely out of my diet or whatever else. It, it, it is playing on that. How yeah. some people try to do that. And then at the end, whenever they're sitting there eating Carl's Jr., it's very much just a sense of like, yeah, like, yeah, nobody really follows this anyways. It's like they're all just kind of dumb about it. Yeah, nobody gives a fuck. <laughs> and he even like starts making some uh, comments about like, oh, each bite is better than the last one. Mm, gluten. And then after that, it cuts to them at Seth's house. And Jay's like, man, this is like how the other half lives. So he's like, oh, come on, man. And he takes him to his living area. What do rich people call where they put their TV? There's different words between rich people and poor people. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> they have so many different rooms. They have to name things. He's not here, so he can't tell us what the rich person equivalent of a living room is. Lower middle class. Thank you. <laughs> the TV room is. Yeah. Oh, the TV yeah. The TV room. room is what makes the most sense to me. <laughs> Activity room. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so they're in there. And Seth shows him everything that he has planned out for the weekend. Like, all of the items and all the weed. And he's like, oh, man, it's like all my favorite things. It's Starburst and weed and video games. Like, oh, that's so thoughtful. Oh, my my name is spelt out in the joints. He's like, yeah, man, it's J. Made out of J's. And Seth brings up this giant pipe. It's like Gandalf's pipe, man. Like, oh, my God. And so they start getting insanely high and you just get a montage of them being extremely high and smoking a ton and playing video games and watching movies and eating all the junk food they possibly can so much weed so we went from weed being the worst thing you could ever put in your body to best yeah that you could ever <laughs> inhale process from the 36 to now all right so after they're done getting extremely high seth starts saying like you know what we should do, man? We should go to Franco's house tonight. He has a huge party going on tonight. I think it would be amazing. And Jay's like, I don't know, man. Like those guys don't really like me that much. I don't. I don't think. I don't think any of them want to see me. Like I don't really know them that well. And he's like, No, no, no. It's it's gonna be amazing. They all love you. He's like, I don't know, man. Jonah, like, he's kind of a huge dick. He's like, What do you mean? Jonah's the sweetest guy in the world. He's he's a sweetheart. He always, he's always loving on you. I don't know. Just come on. Okay, fine. We'll go. So they get a cab and they head over to Franco's. He does go a little bit more in depth with that, too. Like, he's just like, it's like, come on, what about James Franco? James Franco can't even remember my name. It's like, well, Craig Robertson's going to be there. Craig doesn't are. I've never met him before. He's like, oh, he's a great guy. You should meet him. And then, yeah, says this thing about Jonah. It's like, Jonah said that you were inspiring. And just like, Jonah never said that about me. He literally said that about you last week. <laughs> and he basically tells him, uh, like, listen, I don't want to go. But for you, I will go. I'll make an appearance there. And yeah, they end up going over there. Yeah, I feel like he's a little bit of a party pooper. Is a party pooper. I'm Jay. Yeah. I'm, I mean, yeah, I was going to say, have you ever been to a party that you don't really want to be at before, though? Yeah, but... You don't have to be a dick about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Just go. Suck it up. You know? Like, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. But then again, my personality, I would probably not even go. So, so you're Jay, too, secretly. Yeah, except I'm the J that doesn't even go to California. She just stays home. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So while they're walking up to Franco's house, Seth remarks that like, man, like, look at this place. It's amazing. And Jay's like, I don't know, man. It seems like a little much like, no, no, it's perfect. And plus he has all these amazing neighbors like Channing Tatum lives just like right over there. Oh, okay, cool. (laughs) They get up to the house and Franco opens the door and greets them. 
Like, Seth, man, oh my God, you're here. It's amazing. And Jason, or what's he say, Robbie? He, he says, he calls him Johnny. Yeah. Actually, he's like, <laughs> like Johnny, Jay. It's like, oh, I'll remember that. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like as a little dumb joke. Yeah, and he brings them in and uh, Franco shows them the paintings that he has up. Like, man, I made these myself. And it's just a painting of Seth's name over and over on a canvas. It's a uh, it's Seth Seth Rogen right next to James Franco, so they're like right next to each other when they first open the door, kind of as like him solidifying how like they're the bestest of friends right now and how he loves him and all this other stuff. Yeah, and correct me if like I'm the movie wrong, just... but Franco actually painted those, right? Yeah, uh, it is in the if you like watch the commentary, the special features like. All the art that's in the house was actually painted by James Franco. I had a feeling. (laughs) Just ridiculous. It is, but it's those nice little touches. Like, it's honestly, for me, with this movie, like, the more I learned about stuff that happened during production and in the background of it, like, the more I thought this movie was even funnier. Like, all the art in that house was done by James Franco because he kind of considers himself to be an artiste. James Franco is like the best way I can describe it with from what I can tell of this man is like he just has a weird sense of art to begin with. Like if you watch movies that he's directed or if you you know see his art or anything like that, like or I don't think he's done a book, but I'm pretty sure if he did a book, it'd be really weird too. like movies that he's done and stuff like that, like for his sense of art is always just really, really off the wall and weird. So I think it's just part of his personality, if anything. He very much thinks himself to be a highly educated man. I mean, he is very highly educated, but he's a he's a strange individual for sure. He is a strange individual. However, he is also a Yale graduate, so there there's that. Yeah. So do you think at the end he deserved what he got? Yeah, he's sort of a shitty person in yeah. real life. Okay. <laughs> in real life, too? I mean, I don't know. I don't know about... Yeah, I don't know about real life. I can say he is a very strange person in real life, though, from just from what I've heard. Like, I don't follow him. But as for his character that he so he teaches a lot of classes in colleges around the country Um, on a bunch of stuff. Like, I think English is one of his big things, but he is accused in many, many places of hitting on extremely young and or underage girls in his classes and sort of taking advantage of that situation. So he's kind of super creepy. How, uh, That's fair. How not surprising. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Jay ends up saying that he doesn't really like the art that much. And Franco starts going on about how like, what you, you're not like an art person. He's like, not really. He's like, you play video games. Yeah. He's like, That's art. You eat at subway, right? He's like, yeah, they're, sandwich artists man like your mom vagina she was a paintbrush having you the canvas <laughs> something like that i don't know her vagina <laughs> was the canvas <laughs> there we go <laughs> yeah the vagina was the canvas the dick the r paintbrush and he makes some jerking off motion goes boom art i have to rethink this I whole mean... sex thing Dora. i have to <laughs> sex that here <laughs> so after that to actually see uh, Michael Sierra doing coke on the kitchen table while another actress comes by and says like she starts like going on about how he's just the greatest person how she's gonna kill herself if she doesn't fuck him tonight and they're like really and like he's sitting oh, over there he's oh, doing coke Callie. Right. yeah Callie, Mindy. she's going on about how she wants to sleep with him and then 
he goes and uh, he actually slaps Rihanna's ass and then she turns around and she slaps him in the face afterwards. And like, he's just like, come on, man, it's a fucking party, which I guess a little fun fact about that one. While they were originally were filming that Michael Sierra wasn't actually slapping Rihanna's butt, but apparently it didn't look very realistic. And so Michael and Rihanna started talking and he I'm like they agreed that he could actually slap her butt for real as long as she can slap his face for real. So him slapping her ass and her turning around and just bitch slapping him was very real. And the scene that uh, that actually made the cut was her slapping him like just straight in the ear. And he just went along with it. (laughs) Yeah. Also, another little fun fact about that. um, I guess Michael Sierra only had one stipulation about his character in the movie was that he had to wear a bright and colorful windbreaker which Seth Rogen found really shocking because uh, he thought that he was going to complain about the inappropriate behavior written for the script. But weirdly enough, I guess Michael Sierra liked it because he was always typecasted as like the awkward teenager kid. And this was one of the first times that he wasn't actually typecasted as that. And so he, he was hoping still that was though. it kind of still was. I mean, come on. After he was kind of just movies... an asshole in the movie. <laughs> Well, to me, he he always has that persona, that like nerdy persona who's like, oh, yeah. yeah, it's that little innocent little. Yeah, apparently he's actually guy. wasn't really OK with that. And he was hoping that he would start getting different roles after doing a movie like this. If you've actually seen any of the short films that Michael Sierra d- or does, like are as kind of just a passion project, like he does some weird fucking movies. But yeah, like, he, he was actually, actually kind of dark in this one. Usually he's like, yeah. After this movie, yeah. he did start going on to darker roles. And uh, it, like I said, if you watch something like oh, I can't remember the name, there's a YouTube uh, channel where some of his short films are on and they're really weird. After this movie, he actually started playing in like a lot more independent films, too. So Seth and Jay go on to say hi to everybody in the house, first of which being Jonah. And Jonah just starts complimenting Jay endlessly, just horrible horrible compliment that nobody would ever actually want in their life over and over again saying how amazing he is and all kinds of stuff like an uncomfortable amount of like belittling uh, almost like almost yeah and jonah goes on to like say like he adopted this dog but the dog doesn't know how to bark and it's a ridiculous little thing that scene is so weird it's really weird (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's trying to be like i'm a good person but it's also like yeah. the picture of the dog is like a paint. It's not actually a fucking dog. So. <laughs> so with all of this going on, Jay gets really uncomfortable and says he's going to go and bum a smoke off of somebody outside. And Jonah goes on to say like, man, we just need to like give him some space. Like he feels threatened, man. He just doesn't know any of us. He, he thinks that you're getting rid of him. And it's just, you know, you got to give him some space. Give him some time. He's like, yeah, yeah, okay. So outside, Jay walk, runs into Greg. And Emma Watson. Yay! <laughs> Which, I guess, not a little fun fact about this. Um, because of the scheduling conflicts, they actually had a hard, like, they had a hard time getting certain people into this movie. I guess this movie kind of went into production hell for about six years because of scheduling conflicts. Uh, they did a couple different re. Yeah, I guess a couple different rewrites. Originally, the person uh, that Emma Wat- for Emma Watson's role, they originally wanted Mila Kunis. I could totally see that. Yeah, I feel like she yeah. would have fit yeah. really well on that, actually. Yeah, but once again, because of scheduling conflicts, she couldn't be in the movie, so they got Emma Watson to play that part, which I still feel like she did a good job. It's funny to she see did. that weird contradiction of her character. That was right after, like, the whole hype of Harry Potter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Too. Like, we were getting out of them being 
character. I think it fit. Yeah, it with the, her conflict of character kind of fits within the same way as uh, Michael Sierra's like, conflict of character, how he plays more or less just like a Hollywood asshole in this movie compared to him being the awkward teenager in the movies he normally plays in. Yeah, man, I thought he was a good person. And then I saw what he did and I was like, man, maybe he's not such a great person. <laughs> <laughs> so all in this conversation, Jay says that he's not really into L.A. It's not his thing. And Greg's like, man, how, how is none of this your thing? And Emma Watson calls him a hipster. Like, I'm not a hipster. He's like, man, you're probably one of those people that just like hate stuff that's really popular just because it's popular. And he's like, what do you think of Forrest Gump? He's like, man, Forrest Gump is awful. It's just so fucking shitty. Like, well, what do you mean it's shitty? And Emma Watson's like, life is like a box of chocolate. He's like, no, 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 I, I get it. I've, I've seen it. I just, not really my thing. And then Craig's like, you never know what you're going to get. Which if you want to know our thoughts on Forrest Gump, you can go all the way back to episode two and three. So anyways, uh, after this, there's actually a scene where James and Seth start talking about a sequel to Pineapple Express, and uh, they're going back and forth about what they thought the movie would be about. And the funny thing about this is apparently, like, part of the reason why they did, like, the whole Pineapple Express 2 jokes in this is because uh, the part that Seth starts uh, talking about what he wanted Pineapple Express 2 to be about was actually his ideas for the actual sequel of Pineapple Express 2. But as we all know, that movie never really happened. And then there's also a little bit of foreshadowing for the end of this movie during the scene. And even to the point where I guess like the beer that they were drinking, apparently, if you look at it, uh, one of the demons in the movie is actually on the label of that stone IPA that they're drinking. Oh, I didn't notice that. That's cool. Uh, um, after that, you go back outside and you see Michael Sierra blowing cocaine into Christopher, whatever his last name is, or into his face during the party and like just making jokes about it while he's freaking out that someone blew cocaine in his face. I've never done coke before, man. Yeah, that was a douchey move. It was, but I think that was more or less just having like the douchey attitude of uh, Michael Sierra for this movie. I just gotta, I just gotta, I gotta jump in here real quick, Robbie. Sarah. Sure. Michael Sarah. Am I saying it weird? You're saying Sierra. Oh. I like Sierra better. That's not his <laughs> name, though. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he blows cocaine to his face. They have a little back and forth, whatever. Christopher's uh, freaking out that, you know, he's like, I've never done cocaine before. What are you doing? He's like, oh, this is good cocaine for your very first time. And then, you know, just kind of telling him to like chill while he keeps on freaking out. And then afterwards, it does go back inside. And Craig is uh, playing piano and he's singing Take Your Panties Off song and starts singing it to everyone. And everyone starts joining in with the song. And I guess like one of the things they actually did want to do for this scene is they were trying to get Rihanna to sing. And eventually he did get her to sing, even though it was her telling him to fuck off. But that's all they really wanted was just her singing period for that scene. And then the rest of like most of that, that was just ad libbed. But I guess another little fun fact I could probably throw into anywhere in this is that um, Seth Rogen did say that about 50 percent of this movie was ad libbed. And then um, Evan Goldberg, the other guy who directed this movie with him was saying that uh, probably it was probably closer to about 80%. So this is at the time, this is like the most ad-libbed movie they had ever done. And I'm sure like this scene, wherever he's singing, take your panties off was probably completely ad-libbed. Uh, but during this time, once again, Jay is just not having a good time. And he goes out to, you know, have another smoke to just get away from the crowd while they're all having fun. And he's just kind of being uh, a stick in the mud, if you will. Party pooper. I'm on Jay's side. Yeah. It's ruining it for everyone. <laughs> I used to be that person. Don't be that person. I am proudly that person. <laughs> I, 
Anyways, Jay comes back inside after they're all done singing, and he asks Seth if he'll come with him to go buy a pack of smokes. And, you know, Seth is smoking weed with some people in the party. He's like, oh, can you wait about this long? And, like, looks at the joke or at the joint and says, like, you know, like, oh, wait until we finish this. And so he's like, all right. And he goes to go use the bathroom. And when he goes in there, there's two girls that are just blowing Michael Sarah in there. One of them is blowing him, and the other one is eating out his asshole. Weird. (laughs) While he's drinking a Capri Sun. Yeah, well, he's drinking Capri Sun and just keeps on asking, like, hey, you, you want a sippy? <laughs> sippy time. Is that what she really was doing? Yeah. Okay, so that's where that's where he ruined it for me. <laughs> <laughs> if, it, if it makes you feel any better from what I are uh, from what I know about this movie, apparently during that scene, he actually was wearing like skin colored underwear and they Good. just kind of CGI to crack on him. After that scene abruptly ends, it goes to Seth and Jay walking down the street and they're going over to some convenience store. And while they're walking over there, Jay starts telling Seth, like, I feel like you're abandoning me in there. And he's just like, what are you talking oh, about? Party pooper. And he's just like, no, you, you abandoned me to go hang out with your, those guys. And it's like, you left. You left so that we can go smoke a cigarette. And he's just like, yeah, well, maybe I just don't feel like I'm part of the crowd there. And yeah, basically being a party pooper saying, like, I don't want to be there. Like, let's just go back to your place. Once they get to the store, they're still talking about how he feels abandoned. But, like, you know, they're just trying to get a pack of smokes and get out of there. You know, the lady in the front counter, um, you know, this uh, is telling this father and daughter that, like, they have to buy something if she wants to use the bathroom. And she's like, no, dad, I'll just hold it. And she's like, no, 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 no. Like, we can, we can find something to buy. And, like, during this time, like, you know, Jay is waiting to get his cigarettes. And Seth is looking at candy in the candy aisle because – for how much weed they smoked earlier, he smoked just more weed already. So he probably just, you know, needs to eat some or eat some munchies. But during all this time, a big old earthquake ends up happening, like big enough that it starts shattering the windows to the convenience store. It causes Seth to get knocked over and like uh, one of the shelves. I wouldn't even say, kind of falls yeah, on them. I wouldn't even say it was like a shelf. It's like one of those like spin shelves that they put postcards on falls on top of him. Yeah, like a weird wire rack. Yeah, wire rack. Thank you. Uh, that falls on top of him and Jay ends up seeing like all these blue lights coming from the sky and like hitting certain people with inside of the convenience store and they all start floating up into the air like they're being raptured almost and he looks outside and he sees more blue lights just all around the city and people being lifted up after that happens like after they're all already lifted up that's whenever Seth gets back up and looks around and then the lady in front of the counter goes what the hell's going on right in our right in time for an AC unit just to drop on top of her. And they both start freaking out and they go outside and they start trying to run back to Franco's place. And while they're doing this, they just see pure chaos happening in the streets. Like everything's on fire. Like there's streetlight poles that are are down. The people are getting hit by cars. Cars are crashing into each other while they're just trying to get there. And like, I guess one thing that I forgot to say is that Jay said, like, we, I'm just going to go back to your place. You can finish the party on your own. But then after all the chaos happens, they have to go back to Franco's place because it's the closest place for them to, you know, get back to where they're going. And then once they get there, um, everybody inside is still just partying and like nothing has happened at all. You guys didn't notice any of that? Like, notice what? Like, there's there was a giant earthquake and there's lights everywhere and people are being sucked up in the sky. He's like, no, man, this is a fortress. You don't feel anything inside this. Like, no, it's it's. It's happening. There's people just being sucked in the sky. You can't believe you aren't noticing. Everyone's starting to make fun of Jay. And then Jonah's like, hey, hey, guys, don't make fun of Jay. He's sensitive, okay? Like, so, Jay, I'm really sorry about everything. What happened? And Franco's like, yeah, actually, what did happen, Seth? 
Seth's like, uh, I don't know. He's like, were there blue lights in the sky? He's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't see any blue lights. And basically, Seth just doesn't stand up for Jay at all and was a super shitty friend. Just after he doesn't stand up for him, there is a giant shake that shakes the house and everyone starts freaking out. To the point to where they finally do go outside and there is just chaos everywhere. Like, there's just fires everywhere and, like, they just see basically an apocalyptic situation happening outside his door. And everyone starts freaking out. And then just randomly out of nowhere, Paul Rudd just starts running down the street holding a giant bottle of champagne just for no reason. <laughs> just going, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, like freaking that out. That was Paul Rudd? Yeah. That was Paul Rudd. No shit. That's the only time you see him in this movie, too, is like during this scene. And so like he just literally comes out of nowhere just holding a giant bottle of champagne. because I didn't even not? recognize him. <laughs> all right paul rudd starts telling him like crazy shit's happening and like it's chaos out there and then like out of all people michael Sarah just stops everyone goes like whoa, whoa 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 hold on who the fuck has my cell phone somebody knows where his cell phone is and like he like points at some random guy in the crowd and tells him like you know empty your pockets i know i saw you in the bathroom earlier while well, he's freaking out and telling everyone to find his cell phone for him like a sinkhole starts forming behind him and he ends up getting impaled by a light post and then getting lifted up in the air from by this light post while everyone is freaking out that this is happening. And during that time, like he j- hears a ringing and then like looks inside of his windbreaker jacket and sees his cell phone and goes, oh, this is embarrassing. And then gets sucked into the ground by this giant sinkhole. Which I have a fun fact about that. That him hole getting lifted up by the uh, light pole and stuff. That's an actual practical effect. They just attached him to the end of a light oh. pole and rigged it to the ground and they just lift him up 30 feet into the air. <laughs> That's pretty great, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, like, at this point in time, after Michael Sarah is being sucked into the ground, uh, the sinkhole starts to open up even more, and more people in the party are starting to get sucked into the sinkhole. And you just see a whole bunch of celebrities dying and being basically falling into lava. There's a couple gags in there of, like, certain celebrities dying. Like, Azir, I can't remember his last name. Aziz sorry. Rihanna died. Yeah, Rihanna, like... Freaks out and like it's sucked into the hole. He said our Ziri is uh, kind of hanging off the side of the uh, <laughs> Aziz. Sorry, bro, put your white away. Aziz, <laughs> Aziz is hanging off the side of the pit and like is like, hey, pull me up, pull me up. Like, sorry, you're already in the hole. And like Craig Robertson like just runs inside and like completely ignores the fact because he's already in the hole, so he's already doomed. And then he ends up grabbing uh, Kevin Hart's leg. And trying to, you know, pull himself up and Kevin Hart starts kicking him in the face up until Aziz's arm gets caught or cut off. And as he's falling into the hole, he you just hear him going, fuck you, Kevin. How did that happen? I'm also yeah. confused about that. A wire. There's a like a wire that goes straight down and like. Saws that, it off. Is that what happens? Yeah. An electrical wire, I guess, came up out of the ground. Yeah. So all of these celebrities need to go. You can't have a movie with so many celebrities. It's expensive. Oh, yeah, definitely. Plus, I guess they had the fun of just killing off all these random celebrities, too. But that happens. Kevin Hart starts freaking out that he has an arm attached to his leg, and he ends up falling into the hole. And during this time, Jay is, like, hanging off the side of this giant sinkhole. And he's actually right next to, I'm probably going to butcher his name, too, David Krumholtz. Jay is next to him, and there's, like, this little scene where he's just like, I don't want to die. He's like, I can't pull myself up there. He's like, okay, I'll pull you up. Okay, you pull me up and you'll swing me across and put me up uh, and get me up. 
All right, I'm going to give you my full weight, okay? Now, remember, you're going to be holding all of my weight, and you're going to swing me up, and, like, just, it's totally drawn out. Yeah. That guy asked it so many times. Yeah. He was like, he knew he was going to die, but he was going to keep <laughs> yeah, asking. Yeah, I think it was the most blatant foreshadowing that you could ever predict, because, like, as soon as he gives him his hand, he just falls right away. <laughs> and then afterwards, Jay just pulls himself up casually and goes back inside, and... He goes back inside and Seth sees that Jay, or, you know, Jay is still alive and gives him a hug. And then, like, Craig is talking to uh, James Franco. <laughs> and he's just like, it's like, I saw Z. And I was trying to pull him up, but I, or, I couldn't get him up, man. He fell. And, like, trying to make it seem like he actually did something when he did nothing. Like, everyone's freaking out at this point. And the first thing that Jonah does is, like, go over to Jay. And he's like, it's okay, man. It's all right. Everything's going to be all right. So James starts yelling at that point, too. And then... Jonah starts telling him, like, he's like, please stop it. You're freaking out, Jay. And he's like, well, I'm freaking out, too. He's not as strong as you are, which is another one of his, like, being nice. But in reality, he's being an asshole by saying that to him. Yeah, really good. I guess another thing about this movie is, I guess, like, Jay and Jonah, like, they kept on saying a whole bunch of fucked up things to each other during the production of this movie. Like, to the point where I guess Seth had to keep reminding him that they actually are friends in real life. <laughs> All that happens. They try to, like... They try to call on their cell phone to see what's going on and the cell phones aren't working. And then they find out the internet is out. So the internet's not working. And so uh, they're like, wait, it's like, is there, is there anything on TV? Where's the TV in this house? And that's whenever James has like this moment. Where he's like, hey, check this out. And like hits a remote and like the TV comes out from out from under the floor and it starts playing the news saying that a 9.7 earthquake, which is the largest in L.A. history, hit and how everyone needs to stay inside and gives like a little brief news clip of like what's going on like out in the real world and everything and then it just cuts out so at that point they don't even have tv anymore they all start panicking a little bit more and then they all decide to like board up the windows and craig robinson just automatically grabs one of the paintings off the wall and like is going to start boarding up the windows with it james tells him no and like they start fighting over like whether he should board up the house with the paintings or not and then at that point they see a helicopter and they think it's there to save them but it's actually crashing ends up, you know, going through his or through one of his windows and Craig starts acting like, you know, it severely wounded him whenever it just like barely cut his finger whenever it came by. And at that point, they start taking all the measures that they can to start boarding up all the windows and start taking up our all the art off the wall. And it's basically just a montage of uh, them gathering things up, random art around the house and using it to board up the windows and like make shelters and everything else. I think the only real joke that happens during this time is whenever Seth Rogen like takes just a, some duct tape and puts it on one of the giant cracks on the wall. And then whenever Craig is like, hey, can I use this giant dick? He's like, yeah, go for it, man. And he starts like dragging a dick across the floor. And then an important conversation that happens here uh, a little bit before this montage is that Jay's talking to Seth and he's like, hey, man, we should uh, go back to your house now, though, right? Like, what? No, like everything's safe here. Why would we, why would we ever go back to my house? He's like, listen, man, I don't want to die in james franco's house which is just another little part to like make them feel separated which there is a lot of that in this movie too mostly with jay just not wanting to be there at all but now he's stuck there because that the world is ending and now he's stuck in the one place he does not want to be which uh, again i'm jay in this situation i'm jay all the way in this movie yeah but it's at that point it's so unreasonable to leave and try to go to another house like no outside world's done i'm done i'm out you can't you yeah, no. See ya. Gone. Stay your ass indoor. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
And then after this montage of them like boarding everything up, we get a rundown of all of the supplies. We got 12 bottles of water, 56 beers, two vodkas, four whiskeys, six bottles of wine, tequila, Nutella, cheese, pizza, eggs, bananas, apples, bacon, steaks, pancake mix, CT crunch, milk, two bottles of ketchup, a Milky Way, half ounce sour diesel, three and a half grams Grandmaster Kush, an ounce of shrooms, 15 pills of ecstasy, a porno mag, a baseball bat, and the video camera from the movie 27 Hours. And Franco's like, uh, 127 hours. And he like looks at this little legal notepad. He's like, 127 hours. Got it. And he's like, and a functioning revolver from the movie Flyboys. Because Franco says he keeps all the props from his movie. But I don't think you're actually allowed to do. No, you're definitely not allowed to do it. But a bunch of people still do. Like, you can get yeah. super sued for it, though. But also, uh, before that, wasn't it the uh, whole conversation of the Milky Way? Wherever they're arguing between it? Whose Milky Way it was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and Jonah Hill's like, I actually have a sugar defi- deficiency, so I think I should get the Milky Way. I'm like, well, you, I don't think you should get the whole Milky Way. Everything should be split five ways, right? He's like, I would be sad if I didn't get a bite of that Milky Way. Which, like, Milky Way's not even the top ten candy bars. I mean, maybe top 10, but I don't know about the best. I'd put it like 11, maybe. (laughs) But that's the only candy bar you have out of all the supplies. Like, people are going to probably fight over it. Good point. But he was basically just saying if he doesn't get sugar in his diet, that he's going to be a nightmare to be around. And so James Franco just tells him, like, if you need sugar, you can have a spoonful or you can have a fingerful of Nutella. That's it. Okay, that's fair. They do that. And then, like, they do talk about the gun that he had from the props and how it was a real working gun. And then starts waving it around all crazy. And then that's whenever he gives it to Jonah. And Jonah starts like pointing it at people going, bang, 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 you're dead. And like, everyone's like freaking out because he's pointing a loaded gun at, at people at this point. Yeah, that's the part that made me very, very anxious. I was like, oh, my God, any moment now, this, this is it. <laughs> this is how the movie ends right here. <laughs> 35 minutes in this is the ending 35 minutes in it's just whenever jonah goes sorry i guess i'll kill myself then you hear a bang and then credits roll i can just imagine like how hard it was to keep a straight face i'm sure there was a <laughs> lot of scenes so james franco's like well i'm going to bed and he takes the revolver and he goes upstairs so then they're all trying to like find a spot to sleep and they're all hearing the screams and the screeches of all the people that are dying outside of the house and so everyone's in a different spot and then jay is chilling honestly has the best spot in the house like if you're gonna make a fort out of anything that's the best spot in the middle of three couches and so seth rogan comes down and he's like i'm scared man i'm gonna sleep with you and so then they're having this whole heart to heart talking about the situation they're in and all this shit and then um what's his face i'm awful chris Craig. 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 Definitely C name. Got that much. So <laughs> Craig comes down and scares the shit out of them too. Because he's also scared from hearing all of the people screaming outside. And so he goes and lays down with him. But as a logical, you know, thing that he does is he sleeps on one of the couches, which is, you know, makes sense. And then Jonah Hill comes down and scares the shit out of all three of them. He just plops right in the middle. <laughs> which is, you know, not no. So that's not okay. <laughs> Listen, there were so Rocky had one bed in his house. So when we would stay over there, we shared a bed. 
So there were times when there were three people on a bed. Why'd y'all have to sleep on the bed? I'm not sleeping on the floor. It's cold. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, whenever I stayed at his place, I either slept out in the living room or I slept on that chair that he had in the corner. Fancy Robbie sleeping in the living room. <laughs> That's kind of why I never slept over because I like my bed and I will not give it up for anything. <laughs> but at this point, all three of them feel very safe now because you know, they're surrounded by people. But Jay for sure felt safe by himself. So he's just ready to fall asleep. And Jonah Hill is figuring out, you know, how to get comfortable here. And so they're trying to figure out if they're going to spoon, you know, butt to butt. But um, Jay eventually, you know, decides that dicks up is really the best choice to go here. <laughs> That's whenever Jonah's like, you know what? I'm going to scar face it and just like puts both of his arms out and like grabs both of them and like sucks them both into <laughs> him and gives them both a kiss on the head goodnight and then falls asleep. <laughs> it's great. So that's now, now, like, I imagine y'all when you were younger sleeping <laughs> on Rocky's bed, face in it. Yep, that's pretty much vision now. And then it kind of cuts to the morning and you see random, uh, random set of shoes Yeah, there. you don't know who it is. Yeah, they were just, yeah. like, chilling in the bathtub. You find out that it's Danny McBride that you didn't even Can know I just was say there. I was I was expecting that actor to be um what's his name with the curly hair super funny <sighs> played in the elf Will Ferrell Yeah I was like I had high hopes for that shit I was like okay Will Ferrell's going to rescue this fucking movie and <laughs> everything's going to be okay <laughs> Well, I'll be honest, I could kind of see Will Ferrell playing that part. Oh, I didn't picture that. I'm not a huge Will Ferrell fan, though, so... But yeah, I probably could. I mean, I don't know, Danny McBride, he also has curly hair, so... Had to be some curly-haired motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, Danny McBride has no fucking idea what happened, because he got zonked out of his brain um, during the party, and so he passed out in the bathtub. And he comes down and sees all the fucking supplies on the counter, which one, I don't know why you would just leave the supplies on the fucking counter, but it's a very dude thing to do, so I guess it's not that shocking. Men. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, it's convenient. You don't have to go look through shelves. It's just right there. Wow. Anyway, he decides to make all of this food, thinking that he's doing something really nice, and um, James Franco comes down, conveniently brushes his teeth as if nothing fucking happened last night. And wakes them up and is like, Danny McBride's here. He's eating all the goddamn food. And they all wake up and, you know, they're all in their underwear and wrap around this table. Danny McBride is basically like the king of. Because he's chilling there eating all this food, surrounded by all the food that he just fucking made. Yeah, and he starts making all these claims like he's like oh what what's matter green goblin can't afford to go to the store and go buy some more food after this and like no like there's a huge earthquake last night like that's whenever joan hill starts doing like the whole like there were some fatalities last night i think it's best that you stay sit seated down for this and he starts making fun of him, like oh yeah like like w way to go guys like seth this is better acting than your last six movies where the hell was that energy whenever you're doing our green hornet that was my i think that would was Probably one of my favorite scenes because the way Danny was roasting everyone, it was like, well, hot damn. <laughs> Jonah, you can put more 
oomph into this, man. You're an Academy-nominated actor. Put some shit into that, man. Like, there were some fatalities, man. Fatalities. <laughs> See, that shit was good right there. That was good. <laughs> I do agree. This scene is pretty great. Like, all of them being roasted. Um. He's, yeah. <laughs> I think the only thing Danny's in there before is to fuck shit up and to roast everybody. He is the epitome of chaos. Basically. Yeah. yeah. There was no apocalypse. You guys are probably just tripping on shrooms. I'm pretty like there's some wine on Dave uh, on Franco's mouth. I'm pretty sure he he sucks somebody's dick while Jonah Hill watched and was probably jacking off the entire time. I didn't suck anybody's dick, man. He's like, you guys got fucked up last night and Franco didn't suck a dick. Now I know you're fucking with me. <laughs> and then after that, um, there's some banging on the door. They look at the banging on the door and like what happens is like some random guy just like rips apart one of the parts of the barricade and sticks his head through the door and starts like begging for them to let him in. And he's like, Oh look, you guys just got some random actor to try to play across this whole apocalypse situation. Like way to go, you guys. And just like, and then they kind of do like the whole, like James Franco kind of lowers his voice and he's like, I don't think we should let him in. It's like, I totally think you should let me in. I can totally hear you by the way. (laughs) I was really, really hoping that they were they had dropped acid and that they were hallucinating this entire thing and that it was going to take a whole other twist but it took a whole <laughs> other twist that would which, be a pretty funny way to end the movie like they just wake up and they're like man those are some great crazy ass shrooms dude that would have been a pretty funny ending but um yeah like during the scene like he has his head through the door and he keeps on saying like let me in or let me inside the house like it's crazy out here and like they're debating whether they should let him in or not and like they're like listen we're we're all soft. Like we're all a bunch of actors. Like none of us are actually hard. Like what if this guy's a rapist? Like what if he, like what if we let him in and he starts trying to rape everybody? He's like, I'm not a rapist. I'm not going to rape anybody. And like Seth Rogen makes a joke about how, uh, whenever he was in middle school, he had big tits and bullies used to hold him down and tit fuck him. And like, they make the joke to him. Like, like you're not going to hold us down and tit fuck us. Are you? He's like, Oh, if you want us to tit fuck you so good. <laughs> <laughs> Just because, like, the desperation in that poor guy's voice while he's saying all of this, too. Yeah. But then, eventually, he, uh, he's like, uh, Danny's like, you know what? Screw all you guys. I'm going to be the one to let him in. He stands up to let him in. And the guy says, like, wait, there's something out here. And then, and then something just randomly cuts his head off, and, like, it flops over on the floor right in front of Danny McBride. And his first reaction is to say, this is really fucking happening, and then kicks it across the floor. And then they all just play soccer with this poor guy's head for like 30 seconds of the film. And there's just blood everywhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and Jonah Hill does like the whole like, guys, 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 he was alive just a few seconds ago. Like, let's have a little bit more decency than that. And then tries picking up his head. And as soon as he picks up the head, it just like starts gushing blood out the neck and he freaks out and like drops it. And everyone else starts freaking out about it again. He's like, Oh, he blinked. He blinked at me. He blinked at me. And like, they're all just freaking out over the scene. And then Craig, <laughs> Craig finally just like grabs a blanket and throws it over the guy, poor dude's head. And they push it away with just some random lamp that's in the house. So I have a fun fact. It's not really a fun fact. It's just an effect. How they did that scene, which I think is really interesting. I learned tonight. They literally just built a giant foam ball containment for the camera, hit record on it, and then they just kicked the camera around for 10 minutes. <laughs> That's pretty great. After that, um, they decide to go ahead and look outside because they find out that there's like a, a lookout on top of uh, James Franco's house. And whenever they look outside, they realize that like everything has gotten worse. Like it went from the hills being on fire to everything being on fire. And it just looks like 
fire and brimstone outside and basically like i guess you can say almost like a dante's inferno version of hell almost outside what i can say is like i think the set design honestly like outside the effects and just like the color palette they use is really cool it's like a really it's a really nice post-apocalyptic like well this is actually like fucking hellish and kind of revelation-y like this is i think this is the closest to what in my head when i was a kid of like what revelations was I think this is the closest to that actual like vision in my head of like, well, everything's fucked. Yeah. The only thing that I kind of envision is that things would be darker. Like it would just be more, it'd be like an eternal night night outside, but you are right. Like this is pretty much like for how it's described or how it was described to us as kids. Like this is pretty much what it would look like. Yeah. So they did nail that on the head pretty well with the CGI they did of that and everything, which I guess another little fun fact about this is even though this movie takes place in LA, they actually filmed it in New Orleans because apparently it was cheaper to film it there. And the only person that they weren't able to get into the movie because of scheduling conflicts, because and also because they moved it from L.A. to uh, New Orleans for budget reasons. The only actor that they actually weren't able to get because of that was Cameron Diaz. So she was meant to be at the party oh. and die, but she couldn't show up. I can't imagine her having a big role in this movie either. So I don't think it was a huge loss. I feel like she would have been like a Michael Sarah situation, like just doing completely ridiculous shit. But yeah, like that's the only person that wasn't able to make the movie because they went to shoot it in New Orleans instead. After that, um, James Franco decides to go ahead and start a video diary of like, you know, what's going on. And he starts going on about like, yeah, uh, Danny McBride, I didn't even invite him to this fucking party and he showed up anyways and now he's fucking everything up now that he's here now that he's here and like during this time while he's just like shitting all over him and everything and saying all this crappy things about him like Danny McBride is just standing right behind him the entire time and just kind of like hey what 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 you doing there bud and like oh you know just making like a little video diary of like you know what's going on and everything you know it's like, oh, oh okay, okay that's cool yeah, yeah. Oh, you, you mind giving me a minute Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. Yo, fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> then after that, they all get together and they're trying to figure out what's happening and like, you know, why it's happening. Like, okay, look, well, sinkholes happen all the time, you know? So like, you know, that explains a sinkhole that's happening. You know, apparently they happen all the time in Mexico when we're somewhat close to Mexico. And then, you know, earthquakes happen all the time too. And like, they make a dumb racist Mexican joke about like, oh yeah, like that's what our sinkholes happen all the time. It usually happens around May. Yeah, sinkhole de Mayo. I didn't catch that. That's really stupid. And <laughs> it is. <laughs> During all this time, that's whenever Jay finally comes around. And he says, like, what he thinks is happening is the, well, as we would know, is the Christian apocalypse, the one that happens in the Bible, and that they need to look at this seriously. And everyone just, like, looks at him like, yeah, that, that's stupid, dude. Like, that's, it's not the apocalypse. Something, like, there's definitely a different explanation for this than the apocalypse. Yeah. And then he, go, like, Franco goes on to say, like, hey, man, if it is the rapture, and, like, that means we're all assholes. And if we're all assholes and it's the rapture, you're here with us. So you're just as shitty of a person as the rest of us are. How's that feel? So I was going to say, I really thought that he was wrong. I really didn't think that the movie was going to go that route. Oh, like uh, Apocalypse thing? Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, hmm. yeah. I was like, no, it's not. Yeah, the, I mean, I thought it was an apocalypse, but I didn't think it was going to take the religious route. Oh, you didn't think it was the apocalypse? Yes. <laughs> With their backgrounds anyway, I think Seth Rogen always brings in, like, hints of, like, religion to him, even though I don't think he, like, practices anything. He was raised Jewish, I think. Yeah, he was. And then, yeah, so. 
after the scene, it's more or less just kind of a montage of them, you know, kind of going through their rations of food and trying to entertain themselves while they're in the middle of the apocalypse. There's this little scene where they're like trying to figure out, like ration out the cheese on how much our cheese everyone's going to get that night. And James Franco takes Seth Rogen to the side and he's just like, hey, here, here's a couple crackers, man. Huh? You know, because what's cheese that a little bit of crackers, eh? make sure you hide that shit all right okay and like just puts crackers in his underwear like right on top of his dick and (laughs) so he can hide them from everybody else (laughs) where else are you gonna put the crackers towards the end of the montage is whenever uh seth rogan is holding a bunch of drugs in his hands and says let's do all of the drugs and then jay looks at him and goes no i don't think so man should have thought about that before drinking a can full of ecstasy and then like he spits out the ecstasy and then Starts playing Gundam style, which was a huge song when this movie came out. And they're all like shows a bunch of color shifts changing and they're having this giant party and like all this weird psychedelic shit is happening while they're all just super stoned during this scene. And then it was after that, actually, is whenever they start doing like their own little homemade movie of Pineapple Express 2, which I think is the most we'll ever get out of a Pineapple Express 2. I really liked it. It was funny. It was, but it was funny in kind of like this is dumb sort of way. This is basically the, the home, guess like the home movie version of it. And like, I'm guessing what they did for like the Pineapple Express 2 trailer that they did for the uh, for the April Fool's joke trailer that they did for This is the End. Yeah, it was probably just that clip taken. Probably. But there's that. And then after it shows this clip, it shows them all sitting down and watching this movie together. And they're just like, oh, like we should make more sequels to our movies, but not Your Highness too. No, not that one. <laughs> like, start talking about like which movies they should and shouldn't make our uh, sequels of. And like during this time, they start hearing a banging at the door again, and the door ends up like just kind of collapsing. And turns out that Emma Watson comes through the door with a fire axe and basically just cut the fucking door down. She's a badass. Oh yeah. She's definitely badass in this. Like Mila Kunis would have been much better for this. She would have. She would have fit really well in this role, actually. You know, scheduling conflicts happen, so it just didn't happen. Yeah, like, I still think Emma Watson did a pretty decent job, at least, but I do agree that I could see Mila Kunis doing this role better than her. But anyways, uh, she bursts through the door, and it's like, oh, you guys are still alive, and, like, you know, starts sitting down with them and, like, kind of calming down because she's safe now, and, like, they start talking about what's happening and she says that she had been sitting in a it wasn't a sewage drain. It was a like some pipe in the ground or something storm that she'd been drain or something. a storm drain. Thank you. Uh, yeah, she's been in a storm drain for like the past three days and like she hasn't slept or eaten or anything. And like um, Jay asks her if he saw what she saw what happened and he asks her if she thinks it's apo- the apocalypse. And she's like, no, I don't think it's the apocalypse. I think it's pretty clear what's happening. And it's like, oh, what do you think's happening? I think this is a zombie invasion. Like one of the I think it was probably Danny was just like, oh, I called it. I called it. And like saying like he was the one who first called it out of the group that it was a zombie apocalypse, even though this is the first time anyone said anything about it being a zombie apocalypse. She says that she needs to lay down for a bit because she hasn't really slept in the past three days. And so like they put her into a room so she can be safe and everything else. And like they start talking about how they're glad that she's here and how it's going to be like having a little sister around and like. Yeah. And then Jay fucks it all up. He does because like, they're all just happy to have her there. And then Jay's like, we got to talk about the elephant in the room. And like, why you got to talk about Craig like that? Yeah, that's fucked up, man. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about Craig. 
<laughs> like I'm talking about like, you know, the uh, situation that we're all thinking about. Like, yeah, it's like having a little sister around. Yeah, I'm going to I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. I'm going to ask her about all the movies and like, no, like, you know, I we want her to feel safe. And like, what do you mean? Yeah, of make course she's safe. Like, he's like trying to not say we have to make her feel like she, we're not going to rape her without actually saying it. He's like, you know, because there's six guys here and there's just one of hers. Like, yeah, it's like the ideal situation. We can all protect her. Like, and that's whenever Danny comes out and he's like, he's worried that we're going to rape her. And it's like, what? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Nobody said anything about that. Nobody was even thinking of that until you brought it up. Yeah, way to go, Jay. Way to suck the energy out of the room. And like, yep. during this Talking entire time. Jay is a party pooper. <laughs> I am Jay. <laughs> Jay would, Dry would be the first person to talk about rape at a party. <laughs> Remind me not to uh, invite you to any parties. Okay. There is a slight possibility you invite him to a party. Some girl's going to go up and talk to him and he's going to shake her hand and say, I'm definitely not going to rape you tonight. And then she's going to walk away and he's going to say, what? I said, I'm not going to rape you. (laughs) So anyways, they all start talking about this and they all start getting louder and louder. And they're standing right outside her door saying how they're not going to rape her. And all she hears is them talking about how they're going to rape her. And so she jumps out of the room, wielding her fire axe, telling all of them to back the fuck up. And like, whoa, what's going on? I just heard all of you talking about how you're going to take turns raping me. Like, no, no, no. We were talking specifically about not raping you. Like, this is totally like, just like, you're going to give me all your We're doing you a favor, man. (laughs) Yeah, we're doing you a favor. And like, she's like, you know what? You're going to give me all of your water. And she's like, whoa, 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 you are not robbing us. And that's whenever she just like smacks Seth Rogen in the nose with the fire axe. Starts, you know, like demanding stuff from them. And like, they say like, you're not going to rob us. And then like, that's whenever she cuts the head off of the dick statue and they all start freaking out and like start gathering up all the water and putting it inside of a bag for her. And she takes all the water and she ends up cutting the door up again, which apparently they put the door back up after she cut it down the first time. And she cuts it back down and then she like runs away with all their water. And then it cuts to a video diary of Danny McBride saying, so Hermione stole all of our shit. I, th- I think that's one of the single best lines in the entire movie. Actually, I think like the whole thing that he says right there is pretty funny just because like he's like, so Hermione stole all of our shit. Jay started talking about raping her. But I think the only reason why he uh, even suggested is because he realized that he's a small one. So he's uh, getting ready to become the house bitch himself. That is Danny. He's (laughs) he will roast you to death. Oh, yeah, definitely. After that, I believe that's also the scene like right after that, like it shows Craig Robertson. He's like, so I drank my pee for the first time ever. And... It actually ain't bad. And then, like, it shows him with, like, a little martini glass full of pee. And he goes, shh, right before he goes to drink it. And then directly cuts to right afterwards with uh, uh with uh, Seth Rogen, like, just kind of, like, undoing his pants off, or off the camera and, like, aims his head down. And then, like, a stream of pee just starts coming up and he starts drinking it as it's shooting up into his mouth. Like fucking water yeah, this is where the movie stopped going down for me. <laughs> but, um... After that, they start talking about how there's water under or water in the basement, but they need someone needs to go outside so they can open up the cellar doors and get the water. And they start talking about who's going to do it, and they're not sure who, so they start playing straws for it. Except instead of you know having a short straw and long straws, they just um, get matches and they light one match, and the rest of them are unlit. And the one who gets the lit match is the one who's going to have to go out and get the water. And poor Craig is the one who ends up getting the burnt match or the short straw in this sense yeah because you yeah. know who dies first in the movies <laughs> who who is that case lice who <laughs> dies first in movies 
I'm not good at movies. I need you to say it. P O C. Who's Pac? Tupac? Tupac <laughs> dies? No. no. Tupac definitely dies in this movie. You don't see it on camera, but he definitely dies in this movie. What K Slice <laughs> is trying to say is that in most movies, the black person dies first. Which honestly, it was a stereotype for a lot of horror movies back in the 90s. Up until Deep Blue, or yeah, the movie Deep Blue, that was like one of the first movies where the black guy actually lives. That's only because another black guy died first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I really so. thought he was going to die. I was like, yep, there goes another character. Who's next? You, you, you. Yeah, so during the scene, like before that, what happens is since he draws a short straw, they tie a line to him and like they practice really quick on like how they're going to pull him in, even though he's the biggest guy in that entire house. But how they're going to pull him in if he starts to scream. Even they even comment on like, well, I mean, yeah, we'll try pulling you back. But like, I mean, look at you, man. And like, it's us. So <laughs> and he practiced yelled. I don't know if you guys. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Yeah, he did practice yell, which is like a little. And then, like, they pulled him. He's like, okay, that's good. That's good. That's good. Okay. Let's go, let's and, go man. Yeah. <laughs> then he goes out, and, like, there's, like, this little scene of uh, him kind of just, like, running around the house going, this is fucking bullshit. This is bullshit. And, like, trying to get to the cellar. And then, like, eventually he, you know, he's getting more scared as he's out there. So he starts running a little bit faster and a little bit faster. And then eventually they end up hitting the end of the line, but he's running so fast that they don't have a chance to catch the line. So he ends up pulling the entire rope out with him. And then he gets out to the cellar door and the cellar door is busted. So he can't open it. He just says like, fuck this. And then he goes to run away <laughs> and he falls over and it doesn't show what he sees, but he sees something that makes him scream. And he starts yelling, pull me in, pull me in, pull me in. And they just start yelling back. We lost the rope. I'm sorry. I'm we sorry. Lost the rope. <laughs> yeah. And then like, he just like runs back inside and he's like, why did any of you pull? And like, I'm sorry. We lost the rope. And then like, Whatever that thing he saw outside was, starts uh, grabs the rope that's outside and starts trying to pull him outside. And there's this panic scene where, like, you know, they're trying to pull him back in and having a tug of war with this unseen monster that's outside. During this time, they're like, we need to cut the rope. We need to cut the rope. And then, like, Danny grabs the knife and tries throwing it at them because that's what you do whenever you have a knife is you chuck it at somebody. Yeah, that's what you do with knife. Exactly. <laughs> and he ends up chucking it and, like, it ends up sticking right into Jay's leg. And he starts freaking out. And then... He deserved that. I think... Fair. You hate Jay so much. <laughs> she does. I do. I do. Because I see myself in him. <laughs> so it was Jonah that threw the knife, not Danny. Yeah. Oh, it was Jonah? Yeah. Okay. For some Yeah. It was oh, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, Danny was hiding behind a chair or was hiding behind a table covering yeah, his ears. Yeah, he was ears. being wuss. He was definitely being a wuss during the scene. But yeah, Jonah grabs a knife and throws it at Jay and it sticks in his leg. <laughs> Jay freaks out. I can't remember if it was James or if it was Craig that pulled the knife out Craig. of his. Or no. Yeah, Craig pulls it out and like he starts cutting the line. Yeah. And like an argument ensues, like saying, how come you didn't pull me in? And like they start going back and forth with it. And uh, after that happened, uh, like they asked, like, how come he w didn't get to the cellar? And he's like, I did get to the cellar, but the door's busted. I can't open it. And like that's whenever James starts going like, <laughs> like if there was just a door. Right here on the floor, we can just grab the water and pull it up right here. Yeah, it's right here, man. They're like, wait, wait, what do you mean? It's, it's like right here, man. It's like right under. If you if you were down there, it would be right there. And it and wasn't. Totally wasn't. <laughs> but, you know, they start. It starts cutting to all of them and just like hammering away at his floor with random objects. Things and... that didn't even fucking work. Like a baseball bat. 
How's that uh, yeah, supposed an aluminum to? Base, yeah, an aluminum baseball bat that they're trying to break through solid concrete with. Uh, one of them has a tenderize, or meat tenderizer that they're using. Uh, someone's using like a hammer with a screwdriver, which that's probably the most useful out of all of those things because that's the closest thing they have to a chisel is a flathead screwdriver. It cuts to a scene wherever Jay is upstairs and he's, you know, kind of taking a breather. And then Craig comes up and says like, hey, we're getting ready to switch shifts again really soon. And then like they have kind of a little heart to heart moment wherever like Craig starts to believe Jay about how this might be the apocalypse because of what he saw out there. And they start talking about how what it means to be a good person and like, you know, how uh, if they try to be good people after this, like maybe they could actually make it as a good person, be wrapped up to heaven at some point in time and how they, they need to stick together so that way they can survive this together. And Danny's can hear all of this outside and like even makes a little comment of I hear everything. <laughs> Cuts to the scene that it's Danny and Seth and they're both going at it. Like Seth is going at it with the chair legs while Danny's going at it with the baseball bat. And they're trying to, you know, they're making some progress on this hole, but you know, they're trying to cut through solid concrete with very, very poorly designed. Like they're they're basically cow tools, is what they're using. That's whenever James, James Franco. Franco, yeah, James Franco comes up and he's just like, like, who did this? Who came all over my magazine? Like, like was it you said that you do this? And like. Danny going, okay, it was me. I came all over your magazine. Why would you do that? He's like, it's like it's like a fire hose. It goes everywhere whenever or whenever I jizz, okay? I close your eyes and hope it doesn't land in either your eyes or your mouth. Didn't you grow up with brothers? Don't you know anything? Like, don't you use a sock? No, I grew up around a bunch of women. It's like, oh, and so they didn't teach you proper jizz maneuvers or something stupid like that. Like, like yeah. yeah, and they start going back and forth. And like, this is actually another one of those scenes I was like very hugely improvised. I loved scenes. If you actually pay attention during the scene, like if you look at Seth Rogen during this, he's trying his hardest not to laugh. Relax. And like that's yeah, during that scene, wherever like uh, during that cutaway, wherever it's showing behind Danny and behind Seth and it shows like James upstairs, you can actually tell that Seth is laughing the entire time. He's just trying not to laugh audibly because he's not trying. He's trying to not ruin the scene while they're going back and forth that this is just like. It's like, what, you never learned how to uh, proper jizz etiquette? No, I never did learn proper jizz etiquette. I just came everywhere. I'll come all over, like, to let I'll you know. Call, yeah, I'll, I'll come over here. I'll come over there. I'll come over I've been dropping loads all over this house. I'll drop a load right in your kitchen. It's like, I'll drop a load right on your face. Oh, I'd wish you'd drop a load right on my face. <laughs> uh, uh, and, like, start making, like, jack-off motions towards each other. And, like, he starts jacking off the baseball bat towards him. And Doesn't he, like, shit on James? He's like, James, you have fucking eye iPads built into the walls. Why the fuck? Who has a fucking oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. porn magazine anymore? You, 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 you. I like to read. Like This whole scene is gold, if you ask me. Like This whole scene is hilarious. Yeah, really great. <laughs> and apparently it was completely improv by James Franco and Danny McBride. And they did. They just totally killed that scene. Have you noticed how the funniest pieces of this movie is just improvised? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think a that's large... when true comedy happens. You can't, like, write comedy. Because it's... of how much of this movie was actually improvised, too, like, apparently, like, there are huge chunks of this movie that we will just will never see the light of day because it was a whole bunch of improv jokes that just didn't make the cut. And they both walk away frustrated. And then, like, as Danny's walking away, like, Seth's like, wait, we, we still got a dig right here. It's like, it's too late. I already walked too far away. You could literally just turn around and walk back. After this, it's just like kind of shows Seth. Even though there's a bat right there, he's still using the bottom of a chair to like kind of <laughs> hammer away at this. And like he's just doing it all sad. 
And then that's whenever Jay comes up and asks him if he wants a hand. And he's like, oh, well, you just ended like you just ended your shift. You don't have to help. He's like, well, I'm not doing anything else right what now. What else I am like, I do? Oh, thank you. What the yeah. fuck else am I going to do? Yeah, that's yeah. how I feel when I'm at work or when I go to work. Also, though, like, he I've... could have been nursing his leg. He gets stabbed in the leg pretty damn close to your femoral yeah. artery. That's true. Which can make Yeah, it and he was perfectly fine. And he's just like, <laughs> yeah, I'll just dig some more. <laughs> like, Ada Sensu being in his spine again. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, like yeah, he gets stabbed in the leg, and they never mention it in the movie again, ever. <laughs> Doesn't even walk yeah, with a limp or anything. Huh. So, anyways, Jay comes to help, and they start talking about old times, and like they start talking about like, hey, remember that time that like I gave you a twenty dollar gift certificate to Taco Bell, and dared you to get twenty dollars worth of food? And he's like, yeah, like turns out that I was like, how much food could be twenty dollars worth of food at Taco Bell? And apparently the answer is infinite. And like they start talking about how they went to go see a movie, and like can't remember what movie they said they went to go watch, but uh, about how he, yeah, he sharded halfway through the movie, and then like they're you know just kind of like having like a little buddy moment, and then they end up just falling through the floor. After they fall through the floor, like that's whenever like everyone just comes up out of nowhere and is just like, oh, you guys broke through the floor, way to go! And Danny's like, don't worry, I softened it up for you guys because you know Danny just. Being the resident asshole in this movie. Mm-hmm. Gotta have an antagonist. Yeah. And then they ask him, like, is there anything else down here that we should know about? And he's like, oh, just, you know, a bunch of old stuff from my movies. And, like, start looking around. And you see, like, a whole bunch of memorabilia from all these different movies that James Franco was in. And eventually they see two five-gallon things of water, which usually you put those into... Water dispensers? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> But yeah, and like, just like, hey, we found the water. And like, now they have 10 gallons of water between the five of them to, you know, when before they had literally nothing and they celebrate for a little while. And like, they're all sitting at the table and they all pull out the nice martini glasses and they're all drinking water together and like just having a nice little victory moment together. And then while this happens, Danny decides he's going to go ahead and get himself a refill. And... They tell him, like, oh, we we all agreed. We all voted on it. Like, we're all just going to have one glass of water at dinner. And he's just like, well, why do I have to have like, only one glass of water per dinner? Like, I weigh 150 pounds more than Jay does over here. Like, why, does, or why do me and him get the same exact water rations? And they have this discussion about how, like, you know, they agreed on this and how he needs to stop being a dick, or a dick about all of it. And he's like, all right, fine, 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 fine. And then, like just grabs one of the things of water and just like starts drinking the whole thing. And then like covers him, like just basically starts showering himself in the water and like ends up like this whole big thing. And like starts telling everyone like, you forced my hand on this. You forced my hand on this. And like, they all start fighting again. And that's whenever uh, James is like, I'm going to shoot this motherfucker. And he puts like the gun barrel in his mouth and like takes out and goes, that's what I thought. And then walks away. And then, while Danny is sleeping at night, he's actually sitting with like a half empty plate of food in front of him. And then they start talking about how like he's the one who's um, making all this rationing so much harder on everybody else. And how like if anything, he's gained weight while he's been here. Yeah, he's like he's been eating everything and drinking everything. He's wearing my tux right now. If anything, this motherfucker's gained weight while he's been here. And yeah, I think it's funny that you actually look over like while he's sleeping and like a tux that clearly doesn't fit him is just around him while he's sleeping on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> like that's when James Franco starts doing like this motherfucker's got to go. He's got to go. <laughs> and then like they all start talking to him and saying like, Hey, like you like, so you guys are voting me off the Island, huh? It's like, yeah, like we think it's better for everybody that you leave. And he's just like, 
starts having like this like little heartfelt conversation about how he felt like he wasn't really one of their friends and like that's why he wasn't invited to the party to begin with and that's why all this outburst that he's had has just been a cry for help he's just been crying and jizzing and crying and jizzing and crying and jizzing this entire time that's probably why you need so much water he knew exactly how to get people to feel sympathetic towards him oh yeah that's exactly what he was doing somehow he did it that did But during this time, like he decides that like they're like, wait, 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 you don't have to go. And he's like, no, it's fine. You guys already spoke your piece. If, if anything, you guys can give me a weapon to, you know, to help defend myself out there. And he's like, here, take this. And like James Franco goes to hand him the gun, which he's been pretty much holding this entire movie up until this point. And when he hands him the gun, uh, he immediately he's like, thank you. But you just made a mistake, you motherfuckers. And he immediately tries to shoot all of them. Oh my god, what are you doing? He's like, this is a fake gun. He's like, of course it's a fake gun. Why would I put real bullets in this thing, you fucking idiot? You're going to send me out there with a the fake gun? You're about to shoot us all. Don't play the victim here. <laughs> and then that's when he does like the whole like, you know what? You guys aren't kicking me out. I'm choosing to leave right now. So fuck all you guys. And like basically starts roasting everybody again at this scene. He starts giving everyone's dirty laundry out. Yeah. And he does that too. And like starts talking about how they're all assholes and like, says the one important thing that he points out is that he saw Jay in LA about two months ago and he asked him specifically not to tell Seth because he wanted to keep the illusion that uh, he always stays at Seth's house whenever he goes over there. That's whenever Craig does the ooh, ooh, Jay. (laughs) (laughs) And like just leaves the place giving double or flipping double bird. Just fuck all you guys. He's like, remember, you guys told me I could stay. And I still made the choice to leave. That's me choosing to leave. Not you guys telling me I have to go. And then he finally does get out of the house. And Jonah tells Jay, he's like, man, I used to think so highly of you. And you just let me down. And then this is when Jay punches Jonah in the face. And then after that, he walks away. And whenever, I think, yeah, James Franco picks up uh, Jonah. And he's just like, hey, are you okay, man? He's like, yeah, yeah. His insides hurt worse than my outsides, <laughs> which is just a dumb thing to say. Just the fakest bullshit. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. So this is one of, another one of my favorite comedy moments. It cuts over to Jonah that night, and he's praying. He's like, God, why did you make Jay? Honestly, I think that he is the worst person that you've ever created. No offense. But could you just make something terrible happen to him, please, God? Please, this entire thing reminds me of something Cartman would do in South Park. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is definitely a Cartman thing to do. Bad karma bites him in the ass. Yeah. Or is it Which... fucks him in the ass? <laughs> so um, during this scene, what happens is like after he falls asleep, like there's definitely something in the shadows that is watching him. And it starts pulling off all the blankets off of him and starts, like, kind of scratching his arm. And then he starts making, like, these little psychos. Like, oh, like, Craig, your your nails are so sharp. And then, like, this, it shows a demon kind of like, crawling up on the bed. And the demon just has this giant boner on him as he's crawling into bed with Jonah Hill. <laughs> giant cock. Penis. It's a, it's a giant devil Satan fucking thing with a giant fucking penis. Yeah. <laughs> and claws. Definitely. Claws that and scene a giant... traumatized the fuck out of me. This was where I was like, okay, this movie has gone too far. <laughs> this is the point? 
the point where there is a five-minute dialogue back and forth about how they're jizzing everywhere. That's fine. But when you see a giant cock over Jonah Hill, that's too far. So it was a talking about <laughs> <laughs> The funny thing about that for the fun fact, which is one of the one of my favorite fun facts about this movie, is uh, there's actually a couple different scenes in, the, in this movie. This one I know for sure is one of those scenes that originally wasn't meant to be in the movie at all. What happened is uh, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, they were... Evan Goldberg. for funny content? No, 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 no. Uh, they were worried that they were going to get an NC-17 rating uh, because of some of the lewd jokes that they were making in the movie. So they added some movies, or they added some scenes that were even more vulgar. This is one of those scenes in particular that I know of. I'm not sure about the other ones. I know for sure this one was one of those scenes. But they mm-hmm. added some extra vulgar scenes, um, which they took the idea from... Uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, because that's what they do in their movies, is they add some extra grotesque scenes, so that way the MPAA will look at those scenes and say, like, yeah, you need to cut this out of your movie. And then they'll keep the scenes that they want to keep into the movie. And so they added some scenes, like this one in particular, that were extra vulgar because they were hoping that the MPAA would look at those scenes and say, like, oh, yeah, you need to cut this out of your movie in particular and leave alone the scenes that they wanted to keep in the movie. But as soon as the MPAA watched this movie, like they were like, okay, let's see what we have to cut out of this movie. Uh, they uh, gave it back to them and said like, yeah, the movie's fine. It's an R rating. Really? We don't have to cut anything out? Like, no, it's fine. It's an R rated movie. Yeah, this that was actually seen meant to be cut from the movie. Sorry, they can oh keep jokes they wanted to keep. But they said it was fine. So they kept the scene in the movie. Also, this, is, this scene where he's getting raped by the devil is also an homage to Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, I think I'm. I really, I really think I'm traumatized by that scene. Like that scene was like, holy fuck! They just went there. What the fuck? They just went with some giant demon dick. This to is some fucking though, fetish shit. <laughs> oh god! So after that is whenever they all wake up and they start talking about how they're gonna have to go to one of the neighbors' houses to get supplies, and they all start doing the short straws again with the matches. Yeah, and then Seth gets it, and then Seth is like, fuck this, I'm not going, I'm pulling out, I'm bowing out, y'all's got this shit, I'm not doing it. And then Jay's like, are you fucking serious? Where's your honor? And then he's like, I'm gonna go. And then Craig is like, I'm gonna go with you, bro, I'm not gonna let you go alone. And then they go together, right? Yeah, but I like his reasoning why he's not letting him go alone, because he's like, I'm not letting you go alone. He's like, is it because the deal we had earlier is like, no, it's because you like you're really fucking skinny. You can't carry shit back, so I gotta go with you. <laughs> yeah, that too. During that scene, that's whenever like Jonah's kind of like completely out Turns of it, and he's him. like, yeah. yeah, he's like looking at the scratches on his arm that the demon left on him, and he's like, oh, it's working, <laughs> kind of thing. Like his prayer to whatever god that he prayed to, which apparently was a wrong god. <laughs> if anything, that was karma, because he got. He wished someone death, and he got fucked in the ass by the demon. Sure. That's what happens, y'all. Anyways, um, Craig and Jay decide uh, to go on their little stint together to go to the house and try to find supplies. And they kind of see, you know, how it's still fire and brimstone everywhere. And they make a little comment about how sad it is that there was like a, a little play set at the neighbor's house, but no that kid there like anymore. Terminator. You know, I don't know if it was Terminator, but... It reminded me of the Terminator scene. You know that scene? I think it's like the second Terminator where 
where the nuke goes <laughs> yeah. off. Yeah, and they, they're they're like there's like skeletons and charred bodies and playing grounds. I can see it. Kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, I can kind of see that. But yeah, they see that and like they kind of make a little comment like, "Oh, that's so sad." And then they get inside the house, and Jay automatically goes, "Is anyone there?" And like Craig's like, "Shut up, man! Like, stop fucking yelling! What are you doing?" Like, <laughs> more evidence that Jay's an idiot. I never said he's not an idiot. He's just also correct about social distancing. He's ahead of his time. <laughs> you know, they're looking around the house, and while this is happening, uh, Seth is looking out the window and, like, kind of trying to keep an eye on what's going on out there, and James goes up to talk to him. He's like, hey, you all right, man? It should be me out there. It should be me that went, or went over that house, but I bailed out, man. I bailed out. And like, hey, hey, man, it's fine. It's fine. It's cool. And then, like, you know, just trying to calm him down, and then they hear a thud downstairs. Like, oh, hey, what was that? And, like, they go down and they look and Jonah's just laying on the floor and they're like, oh no, his sugar defici- deficiency, like, it's happening right now. I'm like, oh, what are we going to do about this? Oh, oh, the Milky Way. Let's get the Milky Way. And like, start like doing like this whole dumb thing of like, okay, like feed him the Milky Way. Here. Oh, he's not opening up his mouth. Like, okay, try feeding it to him like a bird. And like, okay. And like takes a bite out of it and like just makes like that uh. kind of orgasming. Mm. Like, did you swallow that? I'm sorry. It was just so delicious. Here, you try Mm, it's just as soon as it hits your mouth and like start going on about how great Milky Way is, which I almost feel like Milky, like if Milky Way didn't pay them for that, that they probably get our Milky Way got off pretty easy. Milky Way is fucking delicious. It is the number 11 candy bar. Can I say though, Jonas at this point, he looks blue as fuck and he's got like black veins coming through his neck and through his face. <laughs> I don't think that's diabetes. So one of my favorite things about this scene is when they're trying to feed him the Milky Way. When Franco has it in his mouth and he actually takes it out and starts trying to almost spit it into Jonah's, you can, if you look at Jonah during that, he is actively pushing, pulling his face to the side so that Milky Way doesn't go into his face. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, if I saw James Franco standing above me with like Milky Way in his mouth and he was getting ready to spit it into my mouth, I would like... Instantly, my brain would go like, he's going to really spit that into my mouth and like turn my head away. <laughs> so I can't really blame him either. Thankfully, but, he wakes up right before it enters his mouth or it falls yeah. in his mouth. And he starts uh, speaking in a foreign language and like, what is that? Is that Hebrew? No, that's Latin. I would know if that's Hebrew. I did six years of Hebrew, dude. And like then he starts saying in English what he was saying, which was, um, yeah, the end of days is he are the end of days is nigh, basically. And how demons walk, or walk among them. I can't remember exactly what he said. Yeah, something about the, the that quote from the Bible. Who I don't know. Like, uh, the apocalypse is nigh or something. Yeah. To yeah, paraphrase what he said is like, yeah, like the apocalypse is here and the end of days is here. Or the end of days is nigh. And then he just passes back out. What the hell was that? And like, oh, it's that on the edge of his mouth. And like, you know, start checking the edge of his mouth. And like, oh, what, uh-huh. what is that? Is that spit? Oh, it smells like throw up. Ew, that's gross. Ew, don't get that on me. And like James just like rubbing it on Seth's arms, like, ew, don't rub that on me. That's gross. And then like Jonas just starts puking on them violently, like exorcist style and like Proje- getting both of them. projectile vomiting. Projectile vomiting on both of them. Have you ever have you guys ever seen someone projectile vomit? No, but I've done it myself. It's it's it's, it's awful. <laughs> I haven't done it, but I pretty intense. Had it, yeah. I've had someone have it in front of me, and it's like your vomit is going here, and we're like, 
what's going on? So imagine that, like, times a million. Imagine Danny McBride jizzing everywhere, only times a million. And that was the scene of him puking. Yeah, only it's also much. black. It's not jizz colored. <laughs> also, I don't really want to imagine Danny McBride jizzing, I'm going to say. Why not? You know, it's not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, uh, while that's happening, uh, Craig and Jay end up finding food at the house and like start you know packing up all the are uh, packing up their backpacks with all the food and everything and that's whenever jay just kind of has like a moment of weakness and he's like hey like how about we just take all this and we leave like we can go start a life somewhere else or elsewhere i'd be really good to you and like kind of <laughs> just like starts making himself craig's wife in a weird way like instantly like two seconds and like that's whenever craig just like starts calming him down like listen all i know is that we've been going through a rough time and we should go back to our friends so that way we could you know deal with all this together because all we have is each other right now and he's like yeah but it could just be me and you against the world like, no like let's just go back to the house and you know we'll deal and start dealing with this and like while they're having this little heart-to-heart moment together basically a demon just bursts through a window and starts chasing him around the house or right, cuts back to to our back at the house with james and seth completely covered in puke at this point and uh, Jonah is just gone and they have no idea where he went to. Eventually they end up getting chased by like basically demon Jonah at this point because his eyes are glowing green and his skin like Kimia says is blue and he's all, it's all veiny and everything and this little kind of horror scene where they're running away from a murderer almost. Well actually I guess uh, first like he starts throwing him around they try fighting him off but after not being able to fight him off that's when they run away and go and they hide in a in a closet and while they're hiding in the closet they just make the dumb joke of like Seth just keeps breathing really loud, and James just keeps saying, like, stop breathing really loud right now. Sorry, sorry, I'll try to stop. <laughs> now you're breathing really loud through your nose. What are you doing? <laughs> he sucks. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, I, I don't know where else to breathe. <sighs> and then that's whenever, like, Jonah, like, comes by and, like, starts to, like, slowly go towards the closet. Like, he's going to open it, and then before they have a chance to open it, they just burst through the oh yeah, bur- they burst through the closet and James Franco kicks him w- once while he's down and they both run away cuts back to Jay and Craig being chased around by this demon it's kind of showing that both this is happening at the same time and I'm probably getting the order mixed up but yeah, it's simultaneous it's fine that happens and like it goes to the scene where like you know Jay's trying to open up a window to get out and uh while he's doing that uh like the demon is like rushing towards him and then you hear Craig screaming and he just like pushes him through the window and they, uh, you know, run out of the house together to get back over to the Franco house. By the time that they get there, they're like, everyone's downstairs and like, they start saying like, you know, something happened to Jonah, something happened to Jonah. And like, that's whenever Jay comes up and just smacks him in the face of the baseball bat and knocks him out. And he's like, I was supposed to do that. Right. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You did good. You did good. You did good. Goes to a scene where they're all tying him to a bed and like hoping that they're tying him down properly enough so that he can't get out. And then they all have like a little house meeting together and like they all come together and realize like, OK, this actually is the apocalypse. Like this is actually happening. Like, OK, so what do we do now? And like, OK, so if we're here now, that means all of us did something bad at some point in time. And everyone tries to pretend like they're good people and like because they're actors and they bring joy to people, even though they're handsomely paid for it, because acting's a hard job. Like, you know, some it's be cold as or cold as hell outside and. You have to pretend like it's hot outside and you're in trunk <laughs> yeah. and you're in shorts and talk about everybody surfing. 
eventually like they all start talking about some of the bad things that they did and why they think that they're still here. And Craig talks about how he gouged some guy's eyes out and how he was at a bar whenever he was younger. Like they got into a fight and he's like, I accidentally gouged one of those eyes out. But the second one I did on purpose. I liked it. And that's why I think that I'm here. And then James Franco started uh, uh, saying like, hey guys, I have something to admit to you. I had sex with Lindsay Lohan. And like everyone kind of looks at him like, ew. It's like, yeah, she came to my hotel room and she was all drunk and she kept on calling me Jake Gyllenhaal. I made her call me the Prince of Persia. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like they all just kind of like come to the agreement. Like there's a reason why all of them are still here. And then they start talking about how like, they're going to have to do something about Jonah upstairs. And then that's when Jay says like, I think I have a plan. And then in big, bold yellow letters, it just says on the screen, the exorcism of Jonah Hill. <laughs> I really like this. Scene. <laughs> yeah. The scene's oh, pretty yeah, good. Where he's like the power of Christ compels you. And then Jonas is like, is it really? Is it? Oh, how compelling is that? That's really compelling. Wow, man. Gotta tell you, Jay, not very compelling. <laughs> not compelling. How compelling is that? the power of christ compels you does it does it really am i really compelled right now (laughs) wait hold on that kind of burns wait stop 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 it and like eventually like it starts to (laughs) yeah like seriously dude fuck off eventually like it starts doing like some of the exorcist stuff of like you know the bed starts shaking and like moving around and like jay starts really getting into it saying like the power of christ compels you the power of christ and then like set or rips him off the bed it's like all right knock it off man like what do you mean knock it off and like and that's whenever Jonah starts ad-libbing with that too. Like, listen to Seth Jay and like starts uh, mocking them again. And then they have this little, another little heart to heart moment of like, you know what? I think it's really fucked up that you didn't, uh, didn't come see me last time that you came down to LA. Like, really? We're still on this. Like there's more important matters at hand right now. And like, yeah. And then Jonah's like, hey, let them have it. Let them fight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they end up coming to the conclusion that like the reason why he didn't come last time is because he feels like they were falling, like that they're starting to separate as friends and that they're, like, this was basically his last-ditch effort to try to salvage the friendship, but apparently it's not there anymore. During this time, like, they're still being mocked by Demon Jonah. And eventually, like, they start they start getting into it, and they start fighting each other, and they end up knocking a candle over. And the candle ends up, like, rolling over to the bed and lighting the bed on fire. They start, like, saying, like, oh, God, we gotta save Jonah, we gotta save Jonah, like, trying to put out the fire. And somebody gets a bright idea to just, like, throw a blanket over Jonah, and that just lights him on fire all the way. So after they light Jonah on fire, they end up getting knocked into the next room and they end up uh, seeing that James has been hiding food from them this entire time. They asked Seth if he knew anything about it. And he's like, well, he gave me a few extra crackers one time. It's so whenever Craig comes out the line. I'd suck a dick for half a cracker. He's like, well, I, I don't want you to suck my dick for half a cracker. That's the point of At it. At this point in time is whenever Jonah starts uh, breaking out of his um, out of his binds and starts chasing them around the house while still on fire and lighting everything on fire as he's chasing him around the house, eventually gets to the point to where with him lighting everything on fire around the house that like they get to the front door and uh, some random support beam falls on top of Jonah and like the entire house crumbles, even though it's a giant concrete fortress of a house that they're in right now, but it apparently crumbles as soon as it fall- or catches on fire. And so never Jay uh, says like, Hey, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but we're outside right now, guys. And like, like, w- what are we going to do? It's like, Let's get to the Prius. And like they start getting over to James's Prius. That's just sitting in like his little garage right there that apparently no one has touched this entire apocalypse. Yeah. A demon just like drops right on top of the garage. So they can't get to the Prius now. Yeah. That fucker is going to visit me tonight in my dreams. (laughs) 
It's going to have yourself a nice little Silent Hill battle with it. After that, like, they're all trying to figure out, like, how we're going to get to the or to the car. And that's whenever Craig tells them, like, you know what? I'm going to sacrifice myself for you guys. I'm going to distract him. You guys get to the car. Like, if there's anything I can do to, like, you know, I deserve to be where I am right now in this apocalypse. And if this is what I have to do to redeem myself, then this is what I'm going to do. Like, this, this is going to be my self-sacrifice for you guys. And starts distracting it and, like, starts waving his... uh. Or so it's like waving the towel that he's had this entire movie around, like trying to catch its attention and like starts telling it like, it's like, you ready for this big dick? Cause I'm about to fuck you raw to the demon. And then says for the last time, take your panties off and starts chasing after the demon. And like, <laughs> as soon as the demon's getting ready to attack him, a blue light hits Craig and he starts getting raptured up to the heavens. And you hear this orchestra happening behind him. And if you listen really carefully to the orchestra, the orchestra, the orchestra is singing Take Your Panties Off, just in an orchestra voice. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, if you go back and listen to it, that's it's Take Your Panties Off. The guys see him being raptured up while he goes, fuck yeah, and then gets shot up into heaven. And uh, all of the guys, they see this and they're like, like, so he got raptured. It's like, how come he got raptured? How come we're all still sitting here? It's Well, it's because he did self-sacrifice, like. He did something good for the group. And so like that's why he gets raptured and why we're still here. And then they all start like giving each other compliments inside of the car, like about how they all think each other's such a great person. They they try to half ass be a good person. Oh, you're such a good person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Seth is like, Man, what's nothing's happening yet? And it's like, you think it was just gonna happen instantly? He's like, Well, I kinda hope so. Well, yeah. It doesn't really work that way. And then like as they're having this argument, they get blindsided by a car that just t-bones them after that happens uh they all start getting attacked by all these people that are you know clawing at the car and they all get taken out and some guy with a chainsaw gets ready to start cutting off jay's head and then uh, when all of a sudden they hear a stop and inside of what was actually an rv that hit them is danny mcbride with a fucking skull as a helmet just covered in fucking blood. But yeah, Danny McBride comes out and he tells me, he's like, hey, like, it's good to see you guys. I didn't know you guys were still alive. But hey, to be honest with you, like, all of us are really hungry and all of you look really delicious for dinner tonight. And what are you talking? You can't eat us. I do whatever the fuck I want out here. It's like, I butt fuck this guy right here and like just pulls on a leash and like a guy in a gimp outfit just falls out of the RV and like goes up and like just kind of starts humping the side of his leg while he starts saying, like, I do what I want, basically. It's like, I buttfuck this guy every single night. Say hi to them, Channing. What? And like, guy takes off his mask and it's Channing Tatum underneath that. Which, fun fact about that. (laughs) Apparently, Seth Rogen took 20 minutes to write the email to him saying like, hey, like, so we were really hoping that you'd play this part. And like, I know it seems like really weird and really out of character for you, but we thought it'd be really funny if you did this and you're like Danny McBride's gimp and like just a guy that he kind of butt fucks whenever he's lonely or in his cannibal tribe and everything. And like spent a lot of time trying to word it perfectly. So that way, like he would be okay with the movie. And I guess like instantaneously he wrote back like, okay, I'll do it. Like he was all in for it. <laughs> like so much so that like, the guy that's actually like in the gimp outfit while the mask is on is still Channing Tatum. That is him humping Danny McBride's leg and grabbing at his dick. That is legitimately him the entire time. His dedication. Yeah, apparently he had a lot of dedication. They made a comment about how like he had actually scraped up his knees and like uh, because he was like on the ground on all fours and everything. And like how he, he got more <laughs> beat up during that scene than anyone else in the entire movie did, like during all the filming. 
If you like Channing Tatum, you can never unsee this scene. <laughs> you know, after he has a speech about, well, like, I do what I want and stuff like that, that's never, like, and he's, like, saying about how great of a cannibal leader he is. That's whenever James Franco says, like, hey, I'm like, you guys make a run for it. I'm going to do a full-on sacrifice for you guys and, like, picks up a rock and starts fighting off all the cannibals and, like, starts swinging a stick at them while, um, while Seth and Jay are running away. All of a sudden, like, a blue light hits him and he starts getting raptured up. And as he's like floating and getting raptured up, he starts giving the double birds to Danny McBride and starts saying, suck my dick, McBride. And then all of a sudden, like the blue light just flickers out like an old light bulb and he just falls back down on the ground. Fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. Like, wait, wait, what's happening? He's like, I'll tell you what's happening. You decided to be petty. Tom Petty. And then he jumps on him and starts eating his face like, this is fucking insane, isn't it? And they just tear Franco fuck apart which another fun fact about this during an interview with channing tatum where they talked about filming the cameo role as the submissive sex slave to danny mcbride's character (laughs) tatum said that during the sequence where mcbride and his cannibal gang starts eating james franco alive uh there was a scene where uh, he was shown holding up franco's severed foot and drinking all the blood that poured out of it However, whenever Seth Rogen screened the film for a test audience, the response cards unanimously were disgusted by this image. And Rogen said that it was only one of many gruesome, depraved elements of the film that they had a problem with and specifically noted that they didn't want to see Tatum doing stuff like that. And as a result, they actually cut that out of the film. This is why uh, Channing Tatum (laughs) appears to just abruptly be out of that scene. Like he just have they just have him humping a leg and that's it, because apparently like having him in a gimp outfit being but fucked by Danny McBride, that's fine. But as soon as they see him drinking blood out of someone's foot, that's where they draw the line. So out of all the scenes that could have been cut from this movie, it was that was the only gruesome scene that was actually cut from this movie, and it wasn't even because of the MPAA. It was because of the test audience. Honestly, the demon raping Joda would have been a better scene to cut than Channing Tatum drinking the blood out of a foot. But the rape scene is important, Case Slice. It's not. How else would you know how Jonah got possessed? I mean, to be fair, they probably could have cut that with just showing the shadow of the demon, and he would have gotten the same effect. After the cut scene of, um, <laughs> of Channing Tatum drinking blood out of a foot, shows Seth Rogen and Jay running away from this because, like, they realize, like, okay, like we can't do anything to help him now because he's being eaten alive. And uh, two cannibals actually uh, get up from the frenzy of eating and they start chasing after Jay and Seth. And so they start running away and they start and they, you know, start hiding from uh, the cannibals and like start talking about like how this is the apocalypse and how it's just the two of them now. And so they're going to have to watch out for each other. It's around this scene wherever that's whenever you see the giant demon with his big floppy dick waving around because they make sure that you can see that. <laughs> This demon is like making a beeline towards them, and this thing is gigantic. Like you know, it's tower. It's basically Godzilla size. They're and done it's, at this point. Yeah, they're... and it's basically they're done because it's beelining straight for them. And that's whenever Jay starts saying that he's sorry for everything. He's sorry that he was being such a petty person to Seth. That he's sorry that he was showing so much hate towards his friend. That he felt he's sorry that he felt better than him, and he's sorry that he wasn't a part of his life because he felt like he was a part of his old life and that he couldn't be a part of this new one. Or even though he could, he just chose not to. And while he's having this sympathetic moment between them, uh, he starts getting raptured up too because he's starting to basically atone for his sins, if you will. And while he's being raptured up, um, 
six demon heads pop out of the back of this one demon and like one of them tries to eat Jay. And as he's being raptured up, uh, it actually destroys one of the demon heads because it's like a force field that can't get get to them. It's God's power. I've got to say, I genuinely really love the demon design. During the scene whenever he's being raptured up into the air, Jay ends up grabbing Seth's hand and he's trying to bring him up to heaven with him. And as this is happening, like, you know, they have this force field of God's love and power keeping them from being eaten by the demon. But what happens is uh, whenever they get close to the clouds is the power starts to, you know, die down a little bit and it starts to like kind of bring them back down. Seth realizes it's not going to bring both of them. It can only bring him because he was the one that was chosen and Seth wasn't. And so his final sacrifice for Jay is he let go of his hand so that way he could that way he can be raptured up and sacrifice himself for him. At this time, like he's just falling straight towards the demon's mouth and the demon just has his mouth wide open as he's being or as he's falling into it. And then as that happens, Whitney Houston's uh, I Will Always Love You starts playing in the background as Seth Rogen gets starts getting raptured up because he sacrificed himself for Jay. And this blue force field of God's love starts cutting through the demon and then ends up slicing its giant dick off. And the dick falls off and destroys a building on the way down. No shit. Does that actually happen? <laughs> yeah. If you pay attention during that scene, like the demon's dick gets cut off and it literally destroys a building nearby. So while both of them are being beamed up by Scotty to heaven, they <laughs> hold hands all the way up. So they're going up and they reach heaven. They picture heaven as fluffy clouds everywhere and they're running ridiculously towards the Golden Gate. And the person that opens the gates up, by the way, I just think the scene is just ridiculous. Like they look so, so nerdy and so (laughs) ridiculous and you know it's a green screen already, but I don't know, Jay's face. And... They lean way into it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they, the gates start opening. And again, ridiculous acting. And, you know, their jaws drop. And it's Craig that is opening the door and he has a halo. And he, they freak out and they all hug each other. And ask Craig if he's now an angel. And Craig says, yeah. And then Craig, as if he had some magical powers. I mean, I guess they all do now. Um, gives them their halos. And they're, again, just freaking out that now they're angels as well. And they start clinking their halos together and all that. So so Craig le- leads them into where the party's happening in heaven and as they start walking in between all these people Craig has a joint in his mouth and that's when Seth is like wait there's weed in heaven so you know to conclude the whole weed theme weed is good guys it's in heaven it's probably in the bible somewhere too I mean Jesus had to be a super stoner do you see that hair I don't feel like this movie was so much of like a stoner movie at first that was like stoner stuff and then shit hits the fan they do a bunch of drugs and then from there to here, there was nothing. And then now there's weed again. Well, they ran out. It's kind of like... They did all the drugs. That's true. Everything else is on fire. The apocalypse happened and weed's in heaven. So only good people get weed. So they... Or Seth thinks up a joint and a joint ends up in his mouth. And so he lights it by his halo. That's when Craig is telling them that 
you know, you can have anything if you just think it up in heaven. because That's how heaven works. And so Seth Rogen first thinks up a segue. Is that what they're called? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he's like pops up onto a segue and he starts making little donuts because he's always wanted to ride one. As if he didn't have thousands and thousands of dollars to just go fucking buy one <laughs> at the shopping mall. <laughs> but apparently he had to wait until heaven to think about that when he didn't have to pay for it. Stupid ass rich people. So then Jay, we go to Jay and Jay's like, you can think about anything. And so it just pauses for a second. And then it goes and you're looking at the whole party. And then... The Backstreet Boys just start playing. Yeah! Those people are my <laughs> boys! And so, the and that's really when the party gets started, is when all the Backstreet Boys just come out and they start singing Backstreet's Back, and you have to wait until the very I, end to get to that iconic scene there. I loved that. Yeah, I, I fucking <laughs> love that ending, man. I love... Okay, I have been obsessed with Backstreet Boys since I was like... Seven, okay. I had a huge crush on Nick. I love the Backstreet Boys boys, and I love that song. It's so the best I was like, song. Yeah, man, Jay. I like Jay just because of that, just because he was thinking about Backstreet Boys. <laughs> I mean, he redeemed himself in your mind. Yeah, he did. That <laughs> was awesome. That was my better. <laughs> I remember watching that in the theaters, dry myself and his sister Sam. And when we got to the end of that movie and that happened, like, everyone in the theater freaked out. And it was just, like, the greatest because everything was coming back. Because you hadn't heard from the Backstreet Boys in a while. And it's mm-hmm. like, a straight comeback. They wrote their comeback song before they even knew. <laughs> like, they were calling the feature. Backstreet Boys perform and the credits roll. Another little fun fact about this movie. That scene was actually never meant to be in the movie. Uh, I guess the original ending for the movie was literally Seth and Jay being beamed up to heaven and then it fades to white and then rolls credits like that was the original ending. And apparently the test audience didn't like that. Like, I guess they went to Seth and like, what, you couldn't think of what heaven would look like? Like, that's a dumb ending. And like, so because of the test audience, we lost a scene of Channing Tatum drinking blood out of a foot, but we gained a scene of, of heaven with Backstreet Boys. I'm cool with that. Just sounds like, a, okay, fuck it. Heaven is just a bunch of clouds and a bunch of big-titted women and weed and the Backstreet Boys are there. Fuck you guys. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Like that was That's pretty much exactly why they made that ending the way that they made it. <laughs> it's a good ending. It is a good ending. So yeah, that is This Is The End, which marks an end as well for our month of 420. I guess Seth Rogen was turned down for the original budget of this movie, which the original budget would have been $40 million. Which Holy would be, shit! Yeah. $40 million was the original budget that he asked Sony for, which they told him no. So he asked them what an appropriate budget would be, and they said $32 million, which would still be, to date, the most expensive movie that they ever made. But uh, they're saying it. the notes that I saw that said it's a really good thing that uh, they saved that extra eight million dollars because the movie grossed one hundred and one million four hundred seventy thousand two hundred two dollars domestically one hundred twenty six point five million dollars worldwide. So they pocketed like after the budget for the movie, after advertising, after what they paid off to Sony, they pocketed 50 million dollars on this movie. 
which in order to actually make that $32 million budget, a lot of people actually had to take pay cuts for this movie. Another one, which I think Dry will probably appreciate this more than anything else. The body count of this movie is 37. Nice. What does that um, mean? How many people died? Wait. Like what? in real life? No, no. No, no, not, no. <laughs> well, there's a lot of people that died in this. <laughs> yeah, why? It doesn't even matter if. Why are we counting? It, it, it's a horror. It, it's fun. I guess they were originally going to have an uh, additional scene play at the end of the movie where James Franco and Danny McBride are smoking marijuana with Hitler in hell. But that was a point where they said, too much? Is that too much? And they decided to not put that in the movie. <laughs> no, that would have been so awesome. That would have been a real South Park movie. Yeah, it would have. And the last one that I have is uh, apparently, yeah, apparently Evan Goldberg created a game for himself during the filming of this movie where the goal of the game was to get as many cast members as possible to say, no, I can't do that. And like basically say like, no, that's too much. I'm not going to do that. Which apparently he got everybody on the set to refuse to do at least one thing, except for two people, James Franco and Seth Rogen. Every single thing he asked them to do, they're like, okay, I'll do that. <laughs> yes, and Robbie. Yes, and. A fun little fact that I thought, or found, which I think made it even more worthy to do this podcast, is apparently... A DVD copy of this film was the very last film rented in or in blockbuster videos. It was in Hawaii where the chain ceased operation of November 9th, 2013. This is the last movie that was ever rented in our blockbuster. This is in fact the end. That marks an end for our entire month of 420. That just leaves the last little thing here. Um Liz, final thoughts and a uh, rating from 0 to 10. Final thoughts. I think it's a good movie. Um, I like how it ends. Obviously, I like the Backstreet Boys. I, I don't smoke weed, but I'm all for it. And I think this is better at showing like it doesn't actually make you crazy and blow out colorful, colorful smoke and stuff. And it also doesn't make you completely stupid. So... From zero to ten, I would probably give it a seven out of all the Seth Rogen movies I've seen. I think it's definitely one of the better ones. Um, it's not as, I mean, it's silly for sure, but I just I feel like it's just not that dumb funny that everyone likes. And uh, Robbie, how about you? So I also did really like this movie. Whenever I I do agree with you that it is better watching it your first time around because of the, some of the surprise and some of the ad lib jokes that they make. And it kind of throws you off guard a bit. Um, I would say I have a vulgar sense of humor. So this is kind of up my alley of uh, humor movies. Like I was honestly just like, Oh, they're okay for like Seth Rogen movies for the longest time up until they came out with pineapple express. And that's whenever I really started to like them. And I think this one and pineapple express are probably my favorite movies that he's done, which I think I may have stated that earlier too. But um, all in all, like, it's vulgar. It's kind of horrific. Apparently, like, they actually, there was talks at one point in time of having this movie be even darker than what it was. But they realized that they shouldn't go too far with it. But, like, the more I found out about this movie and, like, some of the stuff that happened during the production, the more I started to like this movie. And, like, all in all, I think it's funny. The first time I watched it in theaters, I thought it was hilarious. And I laughed out loud in a theater, which, yeah, it. The way that like it, it was dumb laughter too, like it was that kind of uncontrollable. Like I didn't 
expect that kind of laughter too. So like, it's something I genuinely found pretty funny. It's something I genuinely found very entertaining the very first time that I watched it. It doesn't really hold up quite as well the second time around, like you said, but I still do enjoy this movie. I still think it's funny. I still enjoy the ad lib for it. It's it's also probably my favorite movie that we watched for the whole 420 month that we did are uh, this month. I would give it probably like a 7.5 out of 10. Cool, cool. And uh, K-Slice, how about you? I would give it a 5.5. Why? Why? Because the vulgarity. (laughs) (laughs) I think the plot was a bit predictable, and I feel like it was all over the place. Yeah. Okay. 5.5. And as for me, I'm going to go ahead and pair what Robbie said. This is definitely the best movie that we've watched this month hands down quite easily the funniest one the most entertaining one all the way around i think it's my favorite of the seth rogan movies of that whole stoner thing that he's done he's doing they're doing a lot of like really good producing stuff right now and getting a lot of really good shows out there but for like his starring role and his directing and him writing like this is probably my favorite one i really really like the post-apocalypse kind of direction they go with it or not not even post-apocalypse just straight up the apocalypse is happening it's not afraid to go in those darker areas and the darker tones while still kind of keeping that light-hearted thing going it's entertaining definitely has something there that's uh that feels a little special i would say i don't know it's a it's a it's a weird movie for sure i think i would i would give it a seven which i think with a k slices rating puts it somewhere to like a 6.5 an overall rating yeah I should give it a one. Well, that was a fun month. I agree. I it was fun. Like we didn't watch the best movies ever, but it definitely was a fun month to just kind of joke around and like kind of just see like the evolution of stoner comedy, if you will. Yeah. Which there is a lot more in depth. Like there are a lot other. There's a lot of other stoner movies, ones that we talked about watching but didn't watch. But uh, there's more four twenties. There are. There are definitely more. 420s there's more stoner movies out there to watch i think that's gonna wrap this episode up here liz wife thank you for coming on yay you're welcome (laughs) robbie of course thank you for always being here of course i have nothing better to do (laughs) and case slice thank you for finally joining the podcast after all these invites yay thank you for having me and for uh waiting for me to come on yeah But yeah, if you want to follow us on social media or check us out anywhere, you can do so on Facebook or Twitter. We're the last ones in on both those places. Or if you want to shoot us an email, let us know what you thought of any of the movies that we've checked out previously. Or on this one, you can do that by emailing us at thelastonesinpodcast at gmail.com. That again is thelastonesinpodcast at gmail.com. So that's going to do it for us on this one. We are going to be back next week where we will be taking a look at some more classics next month. Get back to some of the older stuff here. Thank you guys for listening as always. Talk to you later. Bye. 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 You said cake, and I was like, there's gonna be cake? That's what I'm trying to say. You're gonna have to edit this to make it work, Jariah.
Uh, anyways. Dryer, if that was super racist, I command you not to put that in there. I'm actually, okay. just for we'll this one episode, I'm keeping all the racist stuff in, but only if it's you saying it. So if having sex in an airplane is hard, can you have sex in space? No. Oh, that would be so much harder. I would have... I would assume you could, but I also feel like cleaning jizz out of the air filters in space would probably be really hard to do. So I mean, it's probably have you seen frowned those videos of them, like, drinking water in space? Like, just imagine just cum everywhere, just flying around. Like, you're just, like, you're just doing your documents, and all of a sudden you just see, like, a little bit of white trail going... <laughs> <laughs>